Hey there, Thor Odinson. This is Inyash. Hey, Inyash, this is Steven. Steven, why are you the son of Odin today? Well, June and Fen both hit me with very strong Thor vibes from Ragnarok. Uh, cool. There's a very iconic line at the very beginning when uh, Surtur uh, says to Thor, you've made a grave mistake, Odin's son. And he says, oh, I make grave mistakes all the time. Hmm. Things, all, things always seem to work out. Yeah. So, that's, a, that's a really good line, too. Yeah. It was, it was one of the better Marvel movies. You I know, the, the next Thor movie is called Thor Love and Thunder. And Ooh. so it's I thought that's a Marvel rom-com. Well, I don't know. I, I thought like that sounded kind of like a cliched joke that I had no idea what they're going for. But then a five second look says Taika Waititi is directing it. I'm like, oh, OK, it's going to nice. be amazing. So yeah. I'm super Dude, into it. A, if it's a Marvel rom-com, I think that's the only style of movie they haven't done yet, right? Uh, they haven't done a horror yet, but I hear that's going to be Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. So Yeah. Cool. Looking forward to it. Have they not done uh, a horror? Yeah. I'm trying to think. Heist, horror. I was uh, thinking Spider-Man 2, but that wasn't MCU yet. That was still the one the Raimis and Sony had it. Yeah. But that, yeah, that wasn't... That was only uh, like... That had some horror bits, but it wasn't ever like full horror. Like you could see... you could like, During the surgery part where a Doc Ock gets his, uh, gets his um, octopus things... Like that was classic Raimi horror scene right there. And I was like, oh shit, I've seen this like 10 different times in his movies. But yeah, the most of the movie was not horror. You're right. Well, you know, at least it wasn't very scary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was pretty good as far as movies go. Oh, it I was thought. great. I think it was yeah. among the best superhero movies ever. Oh, fantastic. Spider-Man too, man. Fucking classic. Yeah. Glad to hear that. Just old nowadays. Came out like what? 20 years ago. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I know. We're so old. Oh, I, seriously. I want to yell at a cloud, but, but there's no clouds nearby because Colorado has beautiful sunny weather a lot. Yeah, it's a great day today. So, oh, All right. Well, yeah, oh, yeah. We, should, we should. Speaking of, uh, well, segues, um, we're a couple minutes into this. And what, what are we doing? We're discussing Alexander, uh, Alexander Wales web serial. Say that three times fast. Hmm. Worth the candle, which is also hard to say three times fast. In our podcast, not everything is a clue. Yes, uh, we do this every week. We have a lot of fun. Uh, we have a Discord that you can join us on to chat with us. We'll be reading some Discord comments in just a moment. And you can support us on our Patreon if you would like. We really appreciate it if you do do that. Because, like, for me personally, it literally helps me pay the bills. Oh, so, yes, yeah, I'm employed. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm otherly employed. I am, <laughs> I am self-employed without making any money at it. So there we go, except from the podcasts. I am recently re-employed congratulations it's going well so far oh yeah i haven't mentioned that this is the first episode we recorded since we started since i started there i think yeah, yeah i i am surprisingly uh not yet buried by my incompetence so hey. maybe i suck a little less at this than i thought right you have some level of competence that you weren't sure about before and i'm working directly with close friend of the podcast brian deacon from we want more yeah awesome and this is the first time you're actually working together, which I also did not realize. I thought since you guys worked at the same place that one time that you worked with him, but that apparently was not the case. We were actually also on the same team, just at different times. Ah, okay. Yeah, so it got extra confusing. Well, well shall we get into the feedbacks? Well, actually, before we even have the feedbacks, we have a meta um, note, an organized thought. Uh, which I we talked about this last time in the last episode, and that was just like a particularly bad day for me, just in terms of brains and exhaustion and stuff. But like, I think in general, we want these to go a little faster and be a little shorter. So 
Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Stephen, is that just me or, or are you kind of on the same page too? I feel like there's no reason that we need to hit three hours. Exactly. Yeah. When I originally wanted to do this thing, I assumed it would be like an hour and a half out of my evening as opposed to three and a half. Which, Literally you know, the entire evening. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nowadays, Charlie's like, oh, you're recording a podcast tonight. Well, see you tomorrow. See tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's not what I wanted. But so, yeah, yeah we're going to try to get these a little punchier, a little shorter. We're going to cut more stuff out of our notes. So uh, you, if you want to see our full note or Stephen's full notes, that's what the Patreon is for. We're going to stick more to the highlights and do it slightly more doofy style. Yeah, I think that we can manage... To, I mean, we can always experiment too. If we need to cut out to, down to three chapters, we can do that too. But I think we'll be okay doing four with the increased pithiness, assuming we don't burn 10 minutes on the intro explaining why we're doing shorter episodes. Well, shit, we've so already ju- failed no. then. So I'm just saying no. justifications aside, we have to keep pushing forward for the sake of the show. Exactly. Uh, so let's quick some hit some quick things from the audience. Uh, Gimli, Gimli. I think it's Gimli, like the the dwarf, right? But it's spelled Gimli. I your guess is as good as mine. I okay. say it Gimli in my head, but that's not how it's spelled. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, says actually, uh, when we were talking about, can you do the reversion uh, in the time chamber for June to get his reversion magic going on? Uh, commented that revision magic can't revert magic, as we saw when uh, they couldn't revert the magical spearing through the head of the gold mage uh would that mean no time chamber for that year and i hmm, i thought that was a good point maybe they can use the time chamber because it couldn't revert time chamber time that is a good question i don't know if that is magic or if that's just them being in a magical environment so i just my thought to that was test it with the sack of potatoes Uh, oh to see if okay hire a vision mage and see if they can revert the sack of potatoes that's been in there for like a week or just ask val to sit in there for 15 minutes and then revise her yeah, that would work. No, I don't, hmm. She's my sack of potatoes. Work on Val at all? It works on non-magical stuff. That's true. Yeah, okay, so it should work on her. Because I, mean, I don't yeah, see I why I imagine should. you could revert a sack of potatoes. I so would have to think to... so, yeah. If revision magic can't revert a sack of potatoes, then it's got a glaring weakness. Potatoes. <laughs> right. Potato <Yes>. cannon. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they're going to finally defeat the big bad at the end of the game. <laughs> Hit it with a sack of potatoes. Okay, so then, yeah. Uh, um she should be able to sit in there for a day and see if they can revert her. Yeah. All righty. Uh, we have a note from Fred, Fred LF. I keep wanting to say Fred elf, but I guess it's just Fred LF or uh could be a lowercase or a capital I. So, Oh, Fred, if, hmm. but who okay. knows? Yeah. Also from the discord, wanted to clear up some confusion about ropey. This was genius. And I can't believe I, well, I can't believe because I'm not that smart, especially not compared to an entire Discord server full of people. Uh, cleared up that I, Ropey... I give myself plenty of slack when the Discord gets something that I miss because they're a collective, right? Yes. Yeah. And having lots of brains is always better than one or two. That's right. Says that Ropey didn't come from Karalaga. Amon tortured the location of various Entad caches out of Amaryllis and went out to get them. After her rescue, she mentions how the Glassy Fields and Kumduna are the only ones he's sure not to have hit, even if she told him. Which is fucking... That's right. That's probably how he got it and how it was still um, attuned to... To attuned. But, you know, um, I guess is attuned the right word? Yeah, and that makes sense. Because uh, I think we did we did settle on Karalaga. Like, oh, no, maybe he went and raided it. But I'm like, no, now that I look back, like, no, he couldn't have because Fen and June were there the whole fucking time. Yeah, they would have noticed they people, you know, walking in, carrying things out. So, <laughs> Right. 
So yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And then finally, Gorky uh, asked regarding Grack, uh, when we were talking about Grack asking June why, when June said, hey, come with me. And we were all like, <laughs> man, Grack, Jesus, June tries to reach out an olive branch and you're automatically like, what's up with that, man? Uh, Gorky says, okay, okay, now consider this. June asked Grack if he wanted to go with him. Grack said why. That's it. That's all that happened. It's not a big deal. He didn't cuss him out, shit in his hand, and chuck a turd at his head. He just asked why. June told him, and he agreed. It's such a June move to point this as, like, vindication for sidelining the whole time and showing no interest in him besides trying to get his number up. Which, I don't know. What do you think? Two comments on that. One, Gorky, you're hilarious. And I, this is a consistent thing with a lot of your comments and your uh, narr- your discussion on um, uh, Shaping Exercises 101. But I... I don't think June was the one that was like, well, geez, Greg, why be a dick about it? I think that was mainly me and Inyash piling on there. I think June <laughs> kind of took it in stride. Um, and yeah, it's true. Like he, he Greg wasn't uh, overtly rude. It just, um, it, it, if, if, like I said, I think the example, example I gave was like, if I offered like, Hey, I'm going to go out and coffee. Do you want some? And you asked why it's mm-hmm. like, it's just off putting. It's not, it's not the, uh, you know, no, no, but thank you for asking or yes, please. That'd be great. That like yeah. courtesy would, would expect. So, you know, granted, yeah, he didn't shit in his hand and throw it at him, but he could have been a little like, it's just, it's just a little abrasive. And like the second it, that June is like, Hey, you, you want to hang out? And there's like suspicion and abrasiveness, you know, again, it, it, it is not uh overt hostility, but it was, it was just there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think I always have a hard time. I guess went separating June from myself a bit and that's how I felt immediately, but it wasn't in the text. So maybe June didn't feel that way. So yeah, I think yeah, June I just think kind of a good point. pointed out that like that was there uh, mm-hmm. or no. Yeah. I, yeah. He just described what happened. So yeah. Yeah. All righty. Shall we move on to the text in question? Yes. We are at the veil of the world. Ooh, chapter Which- 109 is easily the meatiest chapter of, of this week's reading. Um, I think so too, yeah, because we have a big old thing with uh, Uther slash Arthur, which is, I mean, just so many reveals here. The man himself. Yep. Yeah, I was Arthur. on the hype train super hard, so. Yeah. Uh, so the first thing we find out is that there are no other dreams skewered. Well, that's what we found out at the end of last chapter. Uh, and Arthur supposedly set the whole thing up uh by himself and that is confirmed in this chapter i believe well i think it was strongly suggested because he gave arthur gave uh the list to the whatever to masters right yeah so and who else but arthur could have known like all these names and stuff right right um so yeah there was uh a quick line as they're walking so basically masters is like you know come with me we'll we'll figure out uh I don't have the answers right now, but let's go see if we can find them together. And they're walking to a secondary location, which is never a good <laughs> idea. Never um, a good idea. And I had to pull out this this random thought that June had, which was that uh, he felt like, well, quote, to find out that the they, the other dream skewered, were all just figments was, strangely, a bit crushing. Mm. And I had to pull that out because it's not that strange. Like, I get it. Uh, you that- you're You're running around thinking that okay, I've been pulled from my, you know, from my world and dropped here, but at least I'm not alone. Right. I can, I can find others. And if we, we can have something in common there. Right. Yeah. Just knowing that they existed. And also like as a verification that you're not crazy. That too. There's other people also that came from this place, you know? 
Yeah, man. I think that's part of what got to Arthur, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, and then I also, I just say that's the first time I've seen the word figment used outside the phrase figments of the imagination. So hmm. I, I appreciate that seeing that because always where I see it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember George Carlin making, pointing that out once ah, that, you don't, okay. that you don't hear about other kinds of figments. So right. this actually was implied figments of the imagination, but it didn't use the full sentence. So, yeah. Okay. So where do they go? They end up in a big room with a, the mirror of Noitalov in it. Hmm. I like that it's not the mirror of Noitalov and not Erised. My note said Erised, and I think in the first one, then in another, in another note, I said Noitalov, just so I could be sure to cover my bases. Mm-hmm. But then I was thinking, holy shit, portal to Earth, a trap, veil of the world, and right? that was just me on the hype train. Yeah, um, I think before uh, he starts talking to the mirror, Masters tells him that there were five random, or maybe was this in the mirror where Uther's telling him? No, I think it was Masters told him beforehand. Yeah, that, yeah. There were five other random muggles that were dream skewered when Uther was around, but they were unremarkable. Yep. And, and that there haven't been any other since. Yeah. And so it's it's that was like part of what they did to help set up the the five hundred year deception. Yeah. Uh, which kind of makes you wonder if that was DM deliberate. You mean the five? Yeah. I mean It had to be. It had to be a way to fuck with Uther to get some some narrative going from, from I mean, even Uther says that, right? That he realized eventually that's what they were for. No, I mean, like, specifically to help get the rumor of dream skewering being a thing going. Oh, yeah, that could be it. I would imagine, yeah, the DM probably just wanted it to do some narrative stuff with Arthur. And then, you know, when when Arthur decided to go along, make it a bigger thing, he he was like, oh, cool. Yeah, I I like where this is going. Neat. Right on. Well, speaking of Arthur... Arthur slash Uther appears reflected in the mirror when June steps before it. Yes. Uh, I had a split second of hope that this was actually Arthur and he's going to walk out. But that would be so badass. <laughs> and it could have happened, right? Why not? Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's it's a magic mirror. That, well, as we all know, that's a great place to hide things outside time. So. Exactly. And to move between worlds and, and times. And yeah, mirrors are great for, for lots of cool shit. But no, it's just uh, a tape recording. <laughs> it's just a tape recording. Yeah, uh, Arthur does say that um, he uh, when it, he's reminiscing on the world that he's in, right? And he's thinking instead of like falling into air, I wondered what it would have been like to fall into a world that I didn't know—something novel rather than recycled. And I wonder if I would have believed it more, which is like the first thing that twigged my thing when I was like, believed it more. Um, if I hadn't seen your fingerprints all over everything, I wonder whether I could have forgotten Earth with time if there weren't so many reminders of the place I'd come from. Little jokes, little references, anagrams here and there, hints and clues that the world wasn't what it seemed. People wearing the faces of my old friends. Fleshed out versions of characters we'd had for a handful of sessions. And that, I mean, we've seen all that, right? We saw the anagram of the guy from the Kinsey scale. We've seen little references in the world to to games and stuff that we're familiar with. And it, it, had, it hadn't occurred to me until Uther pointed this out that, oh, oh yeah, Arthur would have seen all that shit too. But Arthur knew the guy who did all this. He recognized June's world. All this was obviously June's doing from his point of view. So he's like trying to find out June. He like he I assume he thinks that June is the dungeon master, right? Because all of this looks like exactly like one of June's uh, game sessions. He doesn't seem to go that far because he's he talks to this message is for June, 
and it's mm-hmm. not for like fuck you for trapping me here like what the hell were you doing of course there'd be no yeah. point in leaving leaving a recording asking questions but um the two things that jumped out to me there one was that there were people wearing the faces of his old friends which we haven't seen yet fortunately for june that'd be weird other than like the tiff hologram well, but yeah i was about to say but i guess you're right that's not really yeah i mean that, like that was, if that was a hologram like made from her notes yeah right yeah. Yeah, and there's like a plausible explanation for that rather than just like passing somebody in the street who looked just like the, you know, whatever, the uh, lineman on the football team that you recognize from high school, right? <laughs> yeah. Like you're not close to them, but you're like, holy shit, is that like, is that Jeff? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, what are you doing here, Jeff? And Jeff's like, my name is Geoff the stonemason. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm glad you pulled that out because like the – I don't know, you know, when Arthur was running around, what my mental model of it was, like, maybe it was more, uh, this is from all of our D&D sessions, like, not necessarily just June's hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, we've seen more of the Juniness and things, but I wasn't sure if that was, like, just because that's been 500 years or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But in any case, it's it's wild, right? Uh, yeah. It, that would like be bizarre put. as hell. Yeah, running around looking for June because it's like, you know, I feel like you did this, man. Where are you at? You can come out now. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you think that he'll resent June for clearly authoring the world that tortured him for 30 years? Maybe. Yeah, oh, I, I think it's a possibility. Uh, I don't know. He might not think it's June's fault that somehow that shit got like found out by someone else and they tailored it to him. But I mean, he's definitely... Like, like he said, he was literally looking for June during his time here on air because he figured June had to be somehow, somewhere here due to seeing his fingerprints everywhere. Yeah. At the very least, I think that, you know, if they do bump into each other and he's like, you know, why'd you make this place that kind of was hard on me, dude? He'll be like, I didn't. I don't know how this place came to exist. Right? Yeah. I feel like that's a I mean, fair it should explanation. Be pretty easy. It should be easy to clear up. Yeah. Yeah. But being stuck for 40 years in a world that your friend created it would just be the most bizarre thing. Yeah. And it says something that this was like he, he was in his 30s, right? So this was about 20 years into his 40 years here. Yeah, yeah. About halfway okay. through, it seems. Yeah. Um, All right. So he, he does say, since it has been about uh, 20 years now that he's been here, looking back, it all seems so trite. So many NPCs with their sob stories, so many love interests paraded in front of me before their inevitable, de- inevitable deaths. I'll admit to being affected at first. Um, and th- again, that being affected at first thing just twigs all my all my this is this is someone suffering dissociation alarms like i've i've been there i've been walking home from school and just like figuring this none of this can be real i i wish i could somehow break through this weird surface veneer and see what's the actual reality behind it and and like it's just th- this seems to be a common theme among extremely powerful people fiction i just finished invincible so uh, spoilers for Invincible if you haven't seen that yet. I know it's been out a few months. That's not quite enough for most people. Uh, jump ahead about three, four minutes uh, if you haven't seen it. But We're like, talk about this for three or four minutes. I don't know. Just no, no. on the stick. Yeah, go nuts. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. But like that's that's and you said that you hadn't seen it yet, but you're okay with spoilers. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you've already seen the boys, like I said. So so you've seen the main premise here. But like that's Omni Man's whole thing. Omni Man is Superman in in this world. Like he just. He's so powerful and long-lived and separate from everything else in the world, anyone else that he could interact with, that there's just, there's not a way for him to relate. And 
I'm kind of beginning to think, and John has the same problem in Watchmen, where he's like, I'm literally a god that can create anything and see all of time uh, across the entire solar system. Like, it may just be impossible to retain humanity once you're that far above human beings. And I was thinking of that for a while, and kind of like, spoiler for Christianity, Jesus <laughs> uh, is God. <laughs> um, there's the big twist there. Uh, maybe it like makes a tiny bit of sense on why, because people are like, why did God have to, you know, send himself to earth so he could sacrifice himself to himself to forgive humans? Like maybe he needed to role play as a legit human for one lifetime just to like understand what the fuck is even going on with these tiny things and why they should matter. Uh, and, and maybe that's like why afterwards the, the New Testament became supposedly in parts of it about the love and hope instead of just the vengeful uh, old testament god and you know that's that was that was an interesting insight on christianity for me but that also assumes that a god would have any psychology at all which they probably don't yeah uh i i didn't take it from him hitting godhood to hit that it could have been that you know because you can relate to people more when you're not a god right um i I just assumed that after some decades that he was disenchanted with the notion that the people on Arab were anything more than video game characters. Yeah. Like it, it, he, he suggests that he, he started out feeling that way. Um, but then he talks about them like, you know, NPCs and their sob stories, which like yeah. isn't how you and I would act or even like how, um, you know, Dr. Manhattan thought of other humans. Right. Mm-hmm. He was just like, yeah, you're people. You're just, you know, so hard to relate to because you're ants. Um, yeah. But it wasn't like you guys are whatever NPCs. Um, I think that uh, I, I, I suspect that he saw cracks in the world um, that were did not believe. Yeah, so, something something shook his his conviction that this place was real. You know, it could just be like you know the real world doesn't operate so heavily on narrative things playing out over and over. And he's like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just being fucked with, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm being fucked with, then none of you guys are real. It could have been that. Or like maybe the game was a little less polished back then and he saw some rendering errors or, right. you know, like once he hit Godhood, he was able to clip through, you know, some textures. Like who knows, right? Yeah. Um, so it it could be that. And and also this, how many times can you be subjected to the same hero's journey story and, and continue to take it seriously? Before right. you're like, this world can't be real. No one goes through the same story over and over again. Yeah, it's clearly something. It's it's not the kind of thing you could just keep doing indefinitely without, I don't know, your your conviction that this this all somehow makes sense uh, sticking around. Um, yeah. But this is important because, like, you know, if you believe the world was a game and that no one here was sentient, then it makes sense why he didn't care that this talking house was asking, asking him to stop adding entads, right? Right. We, we like do mean things another- to... Yeah. You're just another video game character trying to like do a moral guilt trip on me, but you know I want to push the renegade button instead of the paragon button. Yeah, we do. We do mean things to video game characters all the time. Yeah, right. And what are they going to do? Go? I mean, have feelings? No. Yeah. So uh, if if you're at the point where you're like, and he was talking that way to um, Vervain as well. Like, yeah, I forget exactly what his words were. I'll have to go back and check, but you know, dismissive of stuff. And Vervain's like, you know, I don't like that when you talk that way. And he's like, I get less, I care less and less, you know, how you feel about the things I say. Right. He was Something probably going to think that Vervain's not even a real person either. Yeah. I suspect that he didn't. Uh, 
because later on uh masters alleges that uther killed him and yeah. so like again if i'm playing a video game and i decide that i'm going to shoot a companion in the head like you know what i is it i don't i don't typically do that when i play games because i tend to role play myself in the game like mm-hmm. what would i do in this situation mm-hmm. um but if i was playing the same game for 40 years i'd probably ki- i'd probably <laughs> see if i could kill everybody <laughs> just give it a shot see if there's anyone off limits because it's been 40 years the same goddamn game yeah it'd get a little old yeah eventually you start trying to just do exploits and try interesting new things because why not you've done everything else all right well um he does say also that he one of the reasons he's looking for june is that maybe together they can find a way back home um and he also says i hope that you never get this message because if you do then it means you're here which first of all damn he was not happy here if it's, this is like a thing he wouldn't he wouldn't want any of his friends to experience. But I pulled this out because he says uh, we can find a way back home instead of back to Earth. And I thought that was an interesting bit of like character stuff there. Like June, I think, might say Earth instead of home. Like I think June is already feeling this is more of a home than Earth was. But I guess like if you're Arthur and you don't think anything around you is real anyway, you, how could you ever be comfortable there and call it home? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what June would call it. Maybe, he, maybe he, we'll hear him refer to earth or Arab as home at some point, but uh, yeah, clearly Arthur. And I mean, June got the backpack, which was good evidence. that earth was real at least at some point and mm-hmm. Uther was here. So like, you know, more evidence Arthur gets here just wondering if he's gone fucking insane, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, am I actually in a mental hospital somewhere? Yeah, or like maybe maybe I was on Arab the whole time, and when I was a teenager, I took a blow to the head, and mm. you know, and maybe that's why the DM threw Dream Skewered at him. Yeah, he was like, nope, haha, Earth was real. Um, and then or yeah, maybe, it's, it's always going to be home. There's a common mental condition. You're just another patient. Well, he was the only god that came out of it. That's um, true. Or the only whatever god tier badass, but I think it was just I mean, it could be that yeah, like hey look this happens right, but I, I'm thinking it was more just a reminder of like no actually Earth was real and these people are are evidence of that. Yeah. Of course, there's no reason you couldn't invent them whole cloth if you're you know just inventing fake stuff and Earth was always fake. But yes, if you got DM level powers, I would at least expect it. It, it seems like Bayesian evidence that Earth was real, if not strong evidence. Yeah. But yeah, maybe together we can find a way back home. And I'm just like, God, I hope so. Um, yeah. You know, I I think, unlike Arthur, that Arab is probably real enough to worry about the fates of the people here. Yeah. And so I hope that they team up to solve the problems here first. Mm-hmm. Um, if Arthur is, what, is way past believing that these folks are real, then that might make a good, interesting point of contention between him and June. Yeah, Arthur definitely sounds like he wants to go back home. Do you think June would go back home if he was given the opportunity, or do you think he'd stay here even once all the problems are solved? Huh. I mean, he had that redacted conversation with the DM. Yep. It's hard for me to say. I mean, I. I mean, he he gets to be a hero here on air, right? You know, and mm-hmm. we all kind of all of us want that for a while. I do think after forty years of it, you'd be like, God, I wish I could relax. Yeah. And the or, you know the world won't stop throwing dragons in your at your front lawn and uh, just I I would have to think you'd want to retire at some point too and as long as I'm seeing June as myself which I again 
when reading or playing stuff, I tend to insert myself into the protagonist. I would want to mm-hmm. go home. Okay, so even if like the place calmed down and you could retire to a peaceful air without existential catastrophes, you would still probably prefer to retire to Earth rather than to Arab? I think so. But I've always had a sentimental attachment to Earth. Oh, it is where all my friends are. Yeah. I do live here. Although I guess, yeah, yeah, right? Although I guess that's less the case for June. Sounds like all his friends are on Arab. Yeah, it's, uh, I suppose we'll see. Yeah. We still got half a book to go. Or that's right. Or half the whole story, rather. Alrighty, so um, June, or not June, Uther does give June some advice uh, about the world because he has, you know, kind of figured out that it's it's June's role-playing sessions, kind of. He says, if you come up short, think about what you would have done, how you would have made it in order to fit with the aesthetic of this place. Think of something that would have the stink of June on it. That's where the answer will come from. And I just, I think June's already been doing that. I think that's why he wanted the group to not try to game the narrative before when he was like, don't try to keep things from me. That's like cheating. Don't try to always second guess what the DM wants because that makes the game not fun. So I think he he's already been on that road. Yeah, I, man, the the, whole, the bummer is that, you know, and I, I guess we wouldn't expect Uther to be like this happy go lucky, you know, cheerful dude, but um, it's a bummer. Uh, I also realized I got my next quote out of order here, but I'll, you know, who cares? It's all part of the same dialogue. Um, but yeah, I, his advice is basically, you know, whenever Munchkin Reed comes into play, ask yourself, what would Raymer do? And then what would June do to smack that down? Right. (laughs) Good advice. Yeah. And I, I wonder how hard that lesson was learned for him. Yeah. Uh, he does say, um, so this is again, going to the, the narrative thing. Uther says, it took me some time to see the narrative purpose of the dream skewered. We were talking about this earlier. They were a temptation from the path of heroism, an invitation to indulge in the past, or maybe a call to remember who I was and what I was doing. And he's been an Arab for 20 years. He's got 20 years to go. And he already completely accepts that everything that happens is just like a play made for him. Like he, he finds these dream skewered people and he doesn't think what is, he, he doesn't think like about the world or about them or, or how that interplays. He's just like, what is the purpose of these people in my narrative? And I mean, I don't think he's necessarily gone insane with power or, or whatever it is. It seems like that is the world he was living in. And that would just be a, biz- again, a bizarre way to live. And, and I think it's probably going to have changed him a lot from, from who, from who June knows, although we kind of already saw that earlier. Yeah, 40 years will do that to you with or without having, you know, the burden of being a hero for all 40 of those years on your shoulders. Yeah, um, yeah I. it's interesting. We don't know how long ago in Arthur's uh, time here that the Dream Skewered showed up. So when he's like, oh, they were a temptation to, you know, uh, f- go off the path or whatever, like that could be... Um, I imagine they showed up like at a moment of like existential crisis for him and the DM was like, Oh yeah, here, you know, throwing him a bone just to kind of like keep his psychology interesting mm-hmm. and, you know, engaged enough to play the game. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard not to, you know, what he's saying, you know, Oh, how are, how are they um, like, how do they relate to me? It makes it sound like he's an, like, he's a narcissist, but like he's the protagonist in a video game yeah. and, and it, he knows it and he knows it. Right. And so it's not narcissistic if you're uh, playing Skyrim and you walk into a town and something happens. You're like, OK, how's what, what do they want me to do about this? Right. Yeah. It's obviously going to be your problem. 
So right. um, it's not paranoia if they really are to get to get you, and it's not narcissism if, if the world really is made for you. Right. If the world really does revolve around you, then uh, okay. it makes sense any it's to start thinking that way. Yeah. Um, there was a oh yeah, grab yours and then I'll pull mine out, which was a little out of order, but it's no big deal. Okay, he did say that he has done a fair job of resisting those temptations to, you know, to look back on Earth and be nostalgic or whatever, or at least cloaking them in the guise of art or work. You've seen some of that, I'm sure. And, I mean, I immediately assumed that he was talking about the uh, plays, like the Star War. And, and like, it struck me that all this plagiarism stuff that he was doing that, like, I thought at first he was just doing to, like, to be cool, to be like, hey, look at this awesome art, I'm the warrior poet, like, a lot of that was just nostalgia and him feeling really lonely and homesick. Yeah. It makes it a little more of a bummer. Um, mm. There's a, a beat here and I don't remember if I pulled it out my notes or not, but like June gets an affliction when he breaks his leg and then he heals it immediately. But he got that like when he rolled his ankle in like, I don't know, the first few chapters. Yeah. And uh, it's been a long time. Like, and back in the, you know, way back then the game was like, you know, zombies, people were being killed, but like, it was kind of like light and fun. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm like, oh yeah, it's gotten already more serious for Arthur or for June. He's only been here a few months. Like this is, this is decades of, of wear and tear on Arthur. Um, it's, uh, I wonder too, you know, how he like, um, shall we, shall we say, uh, revamped the Harry Potter series? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not clear at what point in his life he wrote that, that book series here on Arab. Like, Mm -hmm. If it was thirty years into his forty years, um, yeah. maybe he, maybe he just forgot a lot of the details. Yeah, you maybe know? he was more more influenced by the movies than the books, which which had definitely more of that thing going. Yeah, there was a bit, uh, and it was before he talked about like the little advice he had about ramerisms, basically. But mm-hmm. he's it. The the quote is: he brought his hand up to his chin and, and rubbed at his beard. I don't know what this place is. It's not reality. I hope that you never get this message. Oh yeah. And then you said that part. Um, okay. But uh, when I first heard of the dream skewered, I thought they'd be all my old friends from, from Kansas. And there was, that wasn't me stuttering. That was in the book. Um, I haven't said that word in a long time. His face had fallen. And like, I just, uh, you know, I kind of makes me wonder when he lost his care for the people here. Like I said, I mean, did he find evidence that this was more of a game than June has found so far i mean you know the, game, the notifications and stuff are already a thing and the fact that it's a game doesn't make them not real but maybe he found evidence of that right um, right or maybe he's one of those people who doesn't believe that like simulated humans count that they think if they would be uploaded they wouldn't really be real people to have that philosophy maybe I, I wonder what one of those people would think if they were uploaded which arthur clearly is <laughs> um, yeah I'm not really real. I'm not really having thoughts. Um, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know if it's quite that. I, I feel like, again, it could just be, okay, yeah, this is all fake because this has the the stink of, you know, a repetitive story on it, which means that none of the folks are real. Or maybe he did see, like I said, some some insight into stuff that showed that there was really no one home. You know, the lights weren't on. These are all P-zombies, right? Yeah. I think the contention from people I know who or person i know who thinks like that would be that that there might be something there saying you know i'm i'm arthur and i have these feelings and oh i guess i was wrong i really do feel things but there wouldn't actually be anyone there there would just be a system saying that without consciousness that isn't a real person 
Right. But if you're Arthur thinking those thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's all well and good to assume that other people are pea zombies, but you never have to have that worry about yourself. Right. So. Uh, yeah. So it wouldn't work in the course of this story. You're right. Yeah. So if he lands, if I landed in a video game world, you know, right after we finished recording, um, mm-hmm. I would know one thing for sure that I'm awake and I'm here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you are now all these other people. I'll have to do some digging, but um, it's interesting. You know, maybe he did it for narrative. Maybe he did it because he felt like it was the right thing to do, or it was before he was disenchanted with everybody. But like, you know, he moved mountains to fix his wife after she after she was cut in half. Um, yeah. You know, I I wonder if like he put himself in stasis because he finally got bored. Um, mm. It that would also make sense too if he didn't think he's actually doing any good for the people here because like they're not real, right? Right. So I think when he was seeming depressed when they. We're getting like the uh, info dump at uh, Kumduna. Um, I was like, well, come on, man. There's still victories. Like you're still helping people, right? You know, even if mm-hmm. there's another horror on the on the horizon. But if he's like, no, all I'm doing is getting stressed out. <laughs> like, Yeah. You there know, aren't even I'm, people here to help. Yeah. I'm not saving anybody. I'm just trying not to get killed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's wild. And again, he hasn't said Kansas in long enough that it's, it, you know, caught in his throat, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that that's leads in I think that's why I thought this quote went here because it leads perfectly into your next quote. Yeah, my next quote being I sometimes wonder why I bother with maintaining the silence. My peculiar form of insanity would cost me political power if it was known to the public, certainly, but my knights, my wife and children, which means that he at this point has not told his knights or his wife and children about like the game layer or that he's from Earth or anything. And like he he might still crack and tell him in the next two decades, but Apparently, in the first two years, it sounds like he hasn't told anyone at all, which first is 20 super, years. or twenty years. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, which no, is first super lonely, and he he does say that perhaps I feel like saying it out loud would take the story in some unexpected direction that I'm not prepared to handle, uh, which I think once again is showing that he is um, narrative savvy. Like he he knows there's a narrative that's focused on him. And uh, he doesn't want to lead it in in the direction that it would go if he were to acknowledge that he is from Earth or something. He doesn't want to explore that storyline, which I think, first of all, is interesting that he doesn't want to explore that at all. But also, like maybe if he did want to explore that, he would have gotten something like the backpack, too. Right. Uh, but also that he doesn't think the narrative can read his mind because he hasn't said it out loud. There does seem to be something different about like if I was the DM, it, w- it would be kind of bullshit to read my character's mind and start doing stuff to them based on their thoughts. Like maybe do that once in a while, but yeah. you know, people aren't really in control of their thoughts. So yeah. like it, it it's almost not interesting to like throw things at them based on what they're thinking. It's like, no, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, whatever you do, that's what I'll, I'll whatever catch and play yeah. with. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, I think you might be right that cause you were saying, um, this whole time that you didn't think he told anybody because there was a good secret. Uh, well, I guess these people know. Well, they sort of know. They're not sure. The people at the Athenaeum. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, maybe he also went the next 20 without telling anybody. Um, he could have. Yeah. But yeah, it's. Uh, and he calls them, you know, my wife and children. My, you know, my knights is one thing. I'd call my companions my knights if I was playing a game. But mm-hmm. like. And I've even played games where, you know, marriage is involved. You can get married in Skyrim and you can adopt kids. But like, yeah. 
they're not, I, I wouldn't think of them like as my wife and kids, you know, he, he clearly loves them. Like I said, he moved mountains to help them. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, his, his final words, um, he says to go back to being Arthur again, to talk about the past with someone. Well, I suppose that's what this message has become. I should be giving you warnings, I suppose, or secret histories, but either the narrative he- here is that, excuse me, either the narrative here is that this is a flight of fancy and a final send off for the past I knew, or the narrative thread that draws you into the, or the narrative thread that draws you into the web. Sorry, I can't read and talk. Hmm. So, and then so, he says, none of this really matters anyway. And then he just, he, you know, frowns and leaves. That's the end of the message. Yeah. Because again, nothing matters. Yeah, to him, he's like, oh, I should be telling you stuff, but, you know, it's either this narrative or that narrative, you know? Yeah. Not like even the thing he's doing right now by recording the message, he's like, well, this is another narrative. What narrative am I spinning by doing this? Yeah. Man, what a mindfuck. This guy, I mean, this whole thing is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Heartbreaking. I mean, and we got that he was a broken guy already, but, you know, this this is well before his time at Kumbuna, and he's already, you know, uh, coming apart at the seams. Um, yeah, your note here is that his life here was just stories and he was just a self-aware character in them. I think, I think you really hit it right there on the head that he doesn't feel like he's in control at all. He's like, if we were playing through Skyrim and the Skyrim character becomes self-aware, but he still can't control anything that he's doing, we are. And he just gets to watch the story unfold around him and like wonder, oh, my actions right now, how are they affecting the storyline? But but he he doesn't really have a choice in how the world unra- un- unravels, unfolds before him, even in terms of, you know, what he's doing. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's just a bummer, too. You know, this is he's sitting down to record a message for June and he he assumes that this message might get to him. And even even in that context, he can't muster the wills to like give a shit. Yeah. Like he's he's been out of fucks to give for so long that he's forgotten what it's like yeah yeah just kind of wanders off so kind of a bummer i mean i was hoping that there would be like a you know oh and he also left you this message and it was like oh and by the way june you know the password is blah 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 to you know unlock (laughs) the the options menu and uh you use this phrase to bind whatever entad you touch to yourself like Mm -hmm. i don't know but alas anything yeah or if i ever go missing you can find me here and here enter the konami code i know right come on Uh, would have been so uh so helpful yeah but no he's beyond that so the message ends and uh there he june and crew are talking to masters again and june wants some more information about this but masters wants information too because he's saying like you got to tell me things this is a matter of the entire existence of the world and June's like, wait, what? How is this a matter of the existence of the world? Master says the threats escalated during Uther's time on Arab. In the years before he disappeared, they were enormous, bigger than was ever let onto the general public. Uh, and then he stops and stares at June for a bit and says, "Things have been heating back up." And I, I mean, having heroes in your world is terrible. They're they're if the world runs on narrative, because then they're doom magnets. <laughs> and I, I know we talked much earlier in the the podcast about like. How it'd be awful to to kind of be a hero that a god was focusing on and interested in, because then no matter what happens, whoever falls in love with you, they're going to be subjected to danger. Whoever becomes your friends, they're going to be put into pain, sometimes dying. 
Uh, and just just because you're the protagonist, anything that loves you is going to be tortured for it. But like, th- this is not just the friends and family. This is the entire freaking world is endangered by June's existence. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm trying to think. And my, I guess my knowledge of like the history of the Elder Scrolls universe, probably tons of bad shit happened when there weren't protagonists around. Mm-hmm. But like, it's just, yeah, that's usually how things work out. You know, shit doesn't get real until the protagonist shows up. Yeah. Uh, so my, my response to your thing there was like, if Superman ever shows up on Earth, it means that shit here is about to hit the fan. <laughs> oh, damn. Like, th- things aren't going to be relaxed and hunky. Well, I mean, I guess our world doesn't run on narrative, but uh, mm. if it did, or does and it? if Superman landed... We'd be like, oh, man, this is awesome. Oh, wait, shit. This means something mm-hmm. bad's going to happen that only Superman could stop. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should worry. The fact that we discovered how to make nukes means that we're going to run into something pretty damn soon that needs nukes to overcome. Oh, geez. Mm. Uh, well, speaking of horrors, uh, mm. Masters is explaining, and apparently there's reported there's reportedly something new that has the minions of hells living in abject fear. Mm. And um i'm like well val wouldn't you know your consumption of devils willy-nilly has attracted their attention and makes the short list of shit that is freaking this dude out Um, (laughs) right you know so like maybe you don't need you know eight dozen or eight uh devils to figure out the right way to ask somebody on a date right um i have it coming though (laughs) i mean i don't get me wrong it sounds like they're bad you need to be put away but all you're doing is shaking the saber at somebody who you are not equipped to put down yeah. So that that's what I'm thinking is like June is not ready to face the horrors like the ones Uther did. Um, right. He, so slow the roll for a little bit. Yeah. I mean he he can he can do stuff no one else can do, but like barely, right? Mm-hmm. Uh it's like Harry at the end of year one, he's got some ingenuity and wisdom under his belt, but he still couldn't beat, you know, Dumbledore in a fight. Um he technically beat Voldemort, but like only kinda and that, that sort of that sort of shit will only work once narratively right yeah so june can't cleverly solve all of these problems with his weak power like my thought was like maybe there's cool items that are you know around here that can help him but getting all your power from your suit of armor that you're wearing a is narratively unsatisfying b leaves you super vulnerable and c doesn't work out because we don't get any of the cool shit here anyway so Mm -hmm. at least not yet Mm -hmm. But we may get more cool shit in a moment. Uh, Master says, if you knew Uther, if you can get to him, or if you can act in his stead with the same utter power that he wielded, then there are allies ready and waiting for you to call on. There are things you'll need to know. Which, at this point, when I read this, I was like, oh, ho, maybe Masters is going to be the next companion, because he seems like a, he's he's got a lot of power and is willing to help June forward in this nerd. That'd have been fun. I didn't pause to think about whether masters would be a companion or not. Although he, at this point seemed like a great uh, candidate for one. Um, Mm. It, my only thought was that this, this was, I highlighted the same line and then my, my comment was unrelated to the content of it. I was just like, it just occurred to me that we're talking to somebody. I think this is the first time in the story that directly knew Uther. Wait, except for Bethel did too, but that didn't really seem like a watershed moment. And like, as I was thinking about what my feelings were on this, I was like, this doesn't feel like a watershed moment either. Like maybe it's because the air of mystery around Uther has been dissolving for a while. So like, you know, er really early on when it's like, Oh yeah, I've met the lost King. That'd have been like, Oh my God, Holy shit. Fuck. Talk to this guy. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Now it just doesn't seem, I don't know, as remarkable, which narratively makes a lot of sense. So, all right. So, so at this point, 
uh, June isn't being as forthcoming with answers as Masters would like. And not not out of like malice, just because it's like, you know, how the hell do I know, man? Um, mm-hmm. You're asking me if I'm the next Uther? Like, I guess kind of. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so I... He, Masters either either goes vengeful or just super desperate and non-lethally attacks the group. Um, yeah. I I read it as just him being desperate. Like, I, I don't think that he's like... Again, he makes the, the point very articulately like i could have very very easily killed you and your friends like that's not what i'm trying to do mm-hmm. it's just when you guys talked about leaving i was like hold on you can't i've been going insane here wringing my hands for 500 years like yeah. i did not sit around for you guys to bail 10 minutes into our conversation <laughs> and so granted he's being super impolite that's not you know that that's not what i would have done but i think that it's understandable mm-hmm. um so anyway i, I- I also think it's understandable how June reacted too, though. Like, what you're you're attacking me and th- and threatening to imprison me until I give you more answers? Like, fuck you! I'm just gonna fight my way out now. Like, oh, hundred percent. Yeah, he has a way of murdering his way out. But like, you're right. If I was Masters, I'd also be like, no, you aren't leaving. You know how long five hundred years is? Like, I've just been sitting here waiting, not doing other shit with my life because because of Arthur or Uther rather, and yeah. needing answers about the world. Yeah, just just because Masters is coming from a very understandable and sympathetic position doesn't mean that uh, I wouldn't, you know, put all my might into stopping him. Uh, yeah, I can totally understand where my enemy is coming from and still want to put a stop to it. Um, mm-hmm. I I do like how. Um, so, a couple of things. Uh, Mary asks, like after the mirror, immediately, like you know, what scenario is this? Uh, just because pragmatic as fuck, you know, I guess, you know, quest update is Uther a companion. And I'm like, fuck, I guess not. Um, so, uh, um, oh yeah. Masters. He starts like with thinly veiled threats and then escalates to like overpowered seeming magic. Um, mm-hmm. we learned that this area is an exclusion zone and I forgot until I was reminded that you can do excluded things in excluded zone in exclusion yeah. zones. Yeah. So he's doing something that, uh, they have no, I- you know, no idea what it is or how to counter. Yes. Did we cover our ideas of how luck works? Because apparently, June has a single point of luck and gives him sort of a spidey sense. And that's kind of cool to find out that that luck is basically give you a cool spidey sense thing. I think we did during the fight with Larkspur. Um, He has like an inclination to like step one way instead of another or something. And that was like the first time we saw a spidey sense tingle. But this is actually different. uh, Because this wasn't just like a, hey, you should step to the left. This was just like a nebulous something or other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's more. This is more just like the, you know, danger alert and not the quick duck, right? Yeah. So it can manifest, it seems, in different ways. So maybe like when Fen, uh, so, you know, when she was fighting that zombie Ultron in Silmar City and like just not getting hit with thrown zombies. Um, that was, you know, from the first kind of like, okay, don't be standing right here. That's the kind of spidey sense. But then there's other times where it'll come up and it's like, hold on, my my radar is screaming right now. We're in danger mm-hmm. and I don't know why. That's got to be terrifying. Mm-hmm. And like she said, whenever she didn't listen to that radar, terrible things went down. She got cut in half. Yeah. Um, so spidey sense is tingling. Amaryllis asks, uh, or I guess... Uh, Amaryllis indicates Solace. Solace says a way out, and Amaryllis nods. Solace closed her eyes. They glowed golden beneath her green eyelids just for a moment. And I just thought that was badass. Yeah. Um, and she's like, oh, yeah, there's a tree 200 yards away. And so, like, she, you know, Gandalf's her staff into the ground, 
and starts uh, like tearing it open, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought this was good on the gang for noping the fuck out of there as soon as things felt off. You know, yeah. trust your gut, send Masters a letter, and meet up later somewhere else, right? Well, it wasn't, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they're like, they're going to bail. And he like encases her in a, bro- in a block of amber, Solace. Yeah, yeah. And Fen fires an arrow. And this is like the first time we really see him doing magic at them. Yeah. And so, and again, not lethally, it. right? Mm-hmm. Which must have been, because we find out later that he wasn't in the room at the time. So basically, he had the illusion of, he, he changed the illusion of the arrow, like going and funking into the wall or, or whatever, into his his projected illusion self catches the arrow and flings it back at her. Right. And it's just like, um, yeah, so it, it, there's not any mystery to worth holding on to. This is the excluded zone for uh, um, illusion magic. Yeah. And he's really and- good at it. So and you um, can uh, fool not just the eyes with illusion magic, but like the, you know, all the senses, including what you touch. So like even the sense of where your body is, uh, you can feel like your hands are in one location, but actually they're in a different location because I don't know, there's actually a wall there in real life or whatever, which uh, June finds out by looking, using his soul sight and seeing that there's this uh, discrepancies between where he thinks his body parts are and where the soul sight shows them to be. Isn't that weird? It, I mean, it's one thing to mess with your eyes and your ears and whatever, but to mess with your proprioception. Yeah. Like, I feel like my hand is over here. Like that, that is such a, that, that seems more, that is more intimate than what your is, information is coming into your eyes. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted it's, it's still information coming into your brain, but it, it, because it's still inside your, the same, the same meat suit, it feels like it's a, uh, a uh, more intimate sense. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's definitely, oh, no, go ahead. yeah, I was just gonna say, it's definitely like not messing around with stuff in the outer world. It's messing directly with your brain on very deep levels. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's maybe the, thank you. Yeah. That puts the pin on what I was trying to say. It's like, I can make you see a thing there that isn't real. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we can do that here on earth. We've got holograms and, you know, tr- uh, tricks of light and whatever. I can't make you feel like your arm is somewhere else without a lot of work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's, it's wild. So master says, you know, look, if you're here, I don't know what she'll make of you. And he's talking about Raven. Um, mm. and he, he says, I don't know if she'll, Oh, also this is Raven's dad. Um, yeah. We, which we didn't mention, but yeah. yes. And he says, I don't know if she'll see you as a wound in the world or a shining savior. And I think she might be a companion, but I suspect that she's way too high level to join his party. Okay. So like, you know, you can't get a super OP companion. Right. Um, maybe Raven's power diminished after Uther left, but it's, I don't know. At the very least, I look forward to meeting her. That's going to be very exciting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and Raven looked like Maddie, right? Uh, oh, no, wait. Yeah. Raven was just Maddie's character. Raven was Maddie's character. When Maddie played her, she's described her as basically looking just like she does. I don't know if that translates to the, this world or not. I think it did. We saw her like, you know, in the little hologram thing during Bethel's, uh, info. That's dump. right. Yeah, 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 we did. Yeah. So when, uh, when Arthur was talking, Arthur was talking about seeing his friend's faces, he saw Maddie and just how, how uncomfortable would that be? You know, maybe yeah. Vervain looks just like his grandpa, you know? Ooh. Like what, what a, what a mind fuck. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so this was this was so cool because we still don't quite get at this point. We don't know it's illusion magic. Mm-hmm. And so June's looking around and like all of his friends are looking at them 
or looking at him and like, you know, kind of like this, this, like, whatever, uh, an expression of confusion and horror, right? Mm-hmm. Which makes sense for June and nobody else, right? Yes. That's, that's the kind of expression June would have, but no one else would have that expression. Grack would look stern. Fen, Fen would look uh, amused and annoyed. Amaryllis <laughs> would look pissed. Fen or Solace would look curious. And so what June was like, hold on, hold up a minute. Fen, let's let's do the, <laughs> the key ring thing. Mm. And, and Ben's like, oh, it's me, June. It's me, Juniper. <laughs> Why would you even ask that? And he's like, right. oh, you never call me Juniper. Um, right. And then he pokes her. And I think, well, I think he pokes her first and then does the key ring. But then when he's like, oh, no, you're not real. They all pop like soap bubbles. Mm. And I'm just like, oh, shit. Yes, this is this is illusion magic. And then he um he tries to like start plotting, not tries. He literally does start plotting and planning like what he's going to do, studying his environment, thinking about through the implications of illusion magic. And while he's doing that, it says he's also talking to masters about friends and family from back home, whatever came to mind, both meaningful and inconsequential. And I'm like, how the fuck is that possible? Cuz I can't split my attention like that even even slightly and i'm pretty sure that no human can like i i must assume this is just part of like his massive bonus to the mental attributes that he can do things that are literally impossible to humans i mean if you're only like nudging the conversation and paying the bare minimum amount of attention that it takes to give a reply to stuff um i feel like you know you can you can work on a personal project, you know, putting down floorboards or something while carrying on a tedious conversation, right? Oh, yeah, totally something like that. But not when I'm really needing to use my brain directly and I'm, you know, involving the 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 thinking self-narrative parts that are like, right, what do I do here? What do I know about this? Like, I can't also carry a conversation with someone else while I'm doing that. Can you do that? Is uh, it just me? I, I don't – I've never been in that kind of duress before. Um Okay, I so know. I find this happens a lot just when I'm like, I, I want to be doing something, like maybe say I'm reading and somebody's trying to talk to me. I cannot read and talk to someone at the same time because they both are trying to use the same part of my brain. Oh, I can't read and talk at the same time. I think those those two things are too close. I mean, right, I just yeah. think like I, I can definitely do the dishes and put, organize things, you know, Tetris style and dishwasher while carrying on a conversation. I totally. feel like I could be but doing something a little more stressful if it was a less interesting conversation like that, I just had to put bare effort into. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like Harry did the same thing when he was laying the foundation to simultaneously kill all the death eaters. Right. That's true. And that was also unbelievable. Um, <laughs> but it hadn't occurred to me quite at that time because Harry had been doing a bunch of impossible things. Uh, whereas with this one, it just, it really struck at, struck me that I, I don't know, like I could not do planning of that level like i can do basic accounting number juggling stuff while listening to podcasts if i need to actually start researching where does this discrepancy come from who fucked up uh that that takes enough concentration that i have to turn off podcasts or else they just you know suddenly it's two hours later the podcast is over and i haven't heard any of it yeah that happens to me a lot um (laughs) as an experiment i was skimming the text here trying to find a particular passage while listening to you Mm -hmm. and I couldn't repeat everything he said back to you, but I got the gist of it. Um, okay. So I don't know. I maybe and you know June also has mental attributes, like you said. So um, I'm trying to find the line that I don't think I pulled out where he's just like, you know, excuse me while I keep trying to find my way to break out of here. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I thought that was funny, um, but I, like I said, I was looking that up just as an experiment to see if I could divide my attention that way. But yeah, and it was really I mean, fucking hard, right? 
Uh, yes, I definitely had to jump back and forth. Yeah. So I, I would listen to you jump to the text, you know, and, and, you know, I would alternate. I couldn't like run the two tasks at the same time. But like we just said, those are both language tasks that, well, then again, yeah, I mean, June's poking at the walls and stuff while carrying on a conversation. Yeah, but it's more than just poking to see if he feels a hole. He's planning about what he's going to do and thinking through the implications of uh, of illusion magic. And that takes the, the, the language centers of your brain. That's true. Well, he has the, speaking of language centers, language centers of his brain, he finds himself kicking his. <laughs> yes. Uh, he thinks, why had I been so stupid and to uh, as to be thankful that illusion magic was excluded? Why had I been so stupid to say that out loud? Durr, illusion magic is excluded. So great, we don't have to about that. Herder. It was like a horrible foreshadowing out of a terrible movie. And <laughs> I pulled that out because I wanted to say that, to be fair to June, I did not think it was horrible foreshadowing. It felt like entirely natural foreshadowing. I didn't even notice it the first time I read this, uh, which to me makes it good foreshadowing because it's just something that is, it's just, you know, there and you don't realize it until later that it was a thing. Yeah, I didn't see it as a thing. I mean, lots of stuff was excluded. In fact, mm-hmm. it seems like most things were. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, the, the other thing that I just put was just like, it's not like you can avoid thinking every thought like this. It's also not like that thought caused masters masters to be a master illusionist. And then I put, or did it in paranoid I mean, text. I'd have. <laughs> the DM was like, oh, so you don't like dealing with illusion magic, huh? Let me just rewrite the history of the planet real quick before you get there. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I, apparently he can do that kind of shit I, I spent a long time reading this when he was trying to puzzle out like okay how do i solve this problem of being illusion magic dad mm-hmm. and i was so the first step is figuring out what kind of illusion am i in right is am i standing here in this hallway and he's throwing like false perception at me or am i like in a matrix or whatever mm-hmm. and he's speculating about how he would do it and i don't know exactly what he would do but well he he talks about it but before he got there, I just said I would do a full brain in a bat situation if I was inventing illusion magic from scratch. Like cool. make the experiences real with no external connection slash relation. Um, and I even put in there, I know that there are holes in that idea that don't fit with June's style, but I'm in a hurry to keep reading. And so yeah. because that wouldn't that wouldn't be fun in a game, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're tabletopping with somebody and they're like, Okay, so I cast illusion magic at this person and you don't have to worry about it, DM. I'm going to manipulate them for what to them feels like 50 years until I get the password out of them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not fun. Illusion magic needs to be a thing that's engaging. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So anyway, it's not quite, but it's not quite brain in a vat, but at the very least, he's not uh, laying unconscious next to the mirror. So, And he is already taking Arthur's advice to uh, start thinking of, you know, what would be, how would this be done if he was the one doing it? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, the reason Masters is delaying them uh, as he's, you know, trying to talk to June is saying, I want to know why the world is the way it is. And June replies, just telling him the truth. The world was set up for Uther. The entity that he doesn't say the DM, but he means the DM was focused on Uther. It didn't hate him and it wasn't intentionally torturing him. I don't think, but it also didn't care if he was happy. And I just wanted to pull that out because, uh, first of all, that, we already said a million times that's, you know, in all fiction, we don't particularly care if the person is happy during the thing. We want to see the struggle. But also, uh, it just occurred to me that a lot of the real world could also be explained by a deity that doesn't really fucking care about anyone on Earth being happy or or living and just wants some cool stories. Uh, although I think 
the cool stories don't seem to be focused on any particular person for very long. They tend to be more like focused on humanity as a whole. But, uh, you know, maybe it tunnels in on the individual people here and there. And that's why biopics are made because God is like, huh, this Abraham Lincoln dude is kind of interesting. Let's fuck with him for a while and see what we can get to happen. And, uh, and then we get that. But I, I thought it was an interesting thing, way to possibly think of the real world, too. Although the real world wouldn't need 7 billion people in it if that was the case. Well, I guess Arab wouldn't need 20 billion if that was the case, right? And it certainly has been cutting down the number of people in it. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm glad our, our world doesn't work that way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, uh, uh, Vervain drops the bomb that you dropped earlier that uh, Uther killed Vervain himself. Not Vervain drops the bomb. Masters drops the bomb that Uther killed Vervain himself. I think I put that if Arthur didn't believe that Vervain was real, then he could have killed him out of annoyance, right? Like, all right, I'm done with this side quest. Fuck it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, again, once you run into the any RPG, you might play the um, the Paragon of Virtue on your first playthrough. If you have to keep doing it, you're like, all right, what's a low honor playthrough get me? Um, mm -hmm. You know, what's sometimes the one IQ playthrough get me? Exactly. Sometimes, sometimes you press, you know, you save and then you wipe out the town just for fun. And then you go back to your, your revert. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, who knows why I bet, I bet he killed Vervain because, you know, he was like, look, Vervain was like trying to give him some more sage wisdom and he should care about life more or something. And he's like, D you know, fuck you, old man, this whole shit, this whole thing's meaningless. Like, yeah, let me show you exactly how much anyone needs to care about life. Yeah. But, uh, June asks masters, like, do you not know? whether or not Uther could lose. Uh, and Masters basically says, no, he, I, I don't think he could lose, that he never once had a single loss in his life, which is why where the Vervain thing came up came from, because June was like, well, he lost Vervain. And uh, Masters like, no, man, he killed Vervain himself. That wasn't a loss. He had temporary setbacks at most. The, the assertion right now is that nobody knows if Uther could ever lose, but uh, they, uh, they seem to be absolutely ignoring the deaths of every single lover he's ever had during his adventures. And I, I am insulted on their behalf for that. Like, do they not count for some reason to, to everyone in history? They're like, Oh yeah, no, those, those were just Uther's lovers. They, they're not, they don't matter. They're not real people. Like what the fuck? I, I, mean, I would imagine losing someone that you love is a big ass loss. I guess, uh, I took lose to mean that like, do you think it's possible that he could have lost and that he could have been defeated? Like, then Uther was never he, killed, right? Why would he have brought up Vervain as an example of him losing then if he still wasn't defeated back when well, he thought that, back when he thought that, you know, Vervain had died in an adventure? Uh, June brought that up. I think, I think that they were asking different questions. Okay. Um, but I think the other thing is that, like, Emeril has pointed out at some point that some people got the drop on Uther once in a while, mm -hmm. but it always ended with their, like, life story their entire life being burnt to burnt to cinders. And mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, it's a setback, but it's like, all right. Yeah. If, if you, um, if you kill one of my girlfriends, then, you know, everyone, you know, you're, you're going to, you're going to be a job, you know, your, your family's going to die of leprosy. You're going to get leprosy. All your cattle will die. Everyone, you know, will hate you forever. So like, yeah, it's a loss, but like you're fucked. Right. Um, I, I think that the fact that June thought that Vervain dying counts as a loss, but then when he found out that it was Uther that killed him, he didn't count it as a loss anymore, says a lot about him just writing off the other people that Uther loved. Sorry, who's writing them off? I think June's writing them off. 
Because uh, he thought that Vervain dying was a big loss, but he didn't count any any of the other uh, lovers that he had dying. I mean, so I think he brings that up, and then uh, June's like, well, why would he kill his mentor? And Master says, no one knows. Um, and he's like, all right, well, then his only daughter. He's like, oh, the one that went missing? Ha, you know, she's she was actually uh, one of his companions. Yeah, and June brought up examples of people that Uther loves dying as a... Uh, as as examples of Uther having suffered a loss, but he doesn't bring up the people that we know died after every adventure, which were his love interest for that adventure. I guess uh, like they weren't personal losses, but you're right. I I think uh, I guess the way I read this interaction is that yeah, June was thinking like lose a conflict in the sense that um, uh, having having suffered a loss, right. Um, and yeah, it's clear that Uther could. Yeah, I guess not. Um, I'm just, I'm, I think June is kind of a dick about this, is what I was I, getting at. It, it could be. I, I'm not sure. I want to like, I'll have to give it some more thought, but there was, uh, I, I think from, from my thought, just, I guess when I was thinking about the situation, I think Masters was asking like, was it literally impossible to kill Uther? Yeah. That and, is what Masters was asking. Right. And then June was saying like, well, and June was answering the question of could, you know, Uther suffer a loss. Um, mm-hmm. So which was different. Th- that That's what I spent my time thinking about. I didn't think about the, uh, the girlfriends ah. and stuff. Like, I mean, I guess uh, per Arthur's explanation on stuff that he gave briefly in the mirror, like those were narrative contrivances. Right. Yeah. And so like they sucked, but after, I mean, again, even for Arthur, right? Like after the 15th one, you're like, okay, I'm not going to find a 16th girl because they all keep dying. Right. Yeah. So like, if you, if you do go for a 16th, it's not a serious loss to you because you know, what's going to happen. I guess. So, so Arthur, Arthur was doing it for narrative, right? Arthur. Well, yeah, at that point, Arthur didn't believe that anybody was real. Like I can see it coming from Arthur. Yeah. I liked this. Masters stared at me. I saw judgment in his eyes. And you? Would it be possible for you to lose? And mm-hmm. he says, June's thinking, there was a part of me that wanted to put some honest thought into the question, but I was getting a very bad feeling about where this was heading. And I'm like, yeah, I don't need a spider sense to tell me where this is going. Um, mm-hmm. Although I think apparently I do. I don't think that it, that Masters was going to kill him. Um, I think that this is, again, the this is the guy ripping his hair out you know, like, wait, no, get the fuck back here. Come on. Like we need to talk. And, you know, yeah. just, just answer me. Like just grabbing him, shaking him by his, you know, by the collar of his shirts, like, give me some fucking answers. And Why so doesn't the world make sense. Right. Explain yeah. this to me. God damn it. And, yeah. And so I don't think that, uh, my read on that was hundred percent right, but I think it was very, very reasonable to assume, Oh, this guy's going to test and see whether or not he can kill me. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And that see, this was really cool. Okay, not just really cool. This this ties back to I think just last episode. Uh, June asks himself, "Would killing the next Uther Pendrake in the cradle be the rational thing to do if you believe that it would prevent the world from spiraling out of control?" I worried that Masters might think the answer was yes. And last episode, you you said like almost word for word, if they found any new Uthers in the Dream Skewer, they would kill him right away. <laughs> and um, I almost shit my pants again, because you, this is like the third time you've done something like this, and you're ruining all of my pants. I never wore pants while recording We Want More for exactly that reason. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> As well, you shouldn't. So, uh, 
June does a science by smashing his hand into the wall as hard as he can, and it hurts and his bones feel broken, but there's no affliction notifications or depletion of his health bar. So hashtag win for science. And then he drops some, uh, dumps some points and drops them into uh, essentialism to get soul sight. And the other fun little science he does is he grabs one of his fairies and like rips his head off and sniffs it and his hand, quote unquote, starts, quote unquote, healing. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, okay, this guy is making it up on the fly based on what he's yeah. guessing should happen. Yeah. And I, this is also evidence that the game layer doesn't lie to us, which is cool. It is. Because that's we've, we've had that, you know, niggling concern in the background for a while. So um, we... we- <laughs> We also get to see how Raymer would abuse illusionism because uh, he said, I stopped thinking like June, started thinking like Raymer. If you gave him control of someone's sensorium, the first thing he'd do was make an illusion of black caps over their eyes, blinding them. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Raymer, man. Oh, he's just immediately going straight for the kill shot. Well, he's going to munchkin the hell out of everything. So my thought was like, when he's like, all right, stop thinking like June, start thinking like Raymer. I was like, all right, now we're cooking with gas. Like mm-hmm. Raymer shit gets excluded real fast. Yes. Um, I think I, Oh yeah. I did spend, I don't know, a good long while laying out all my thoughts of what, what illusion magic could be doing and how June could break out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, I don't yeah, want to say us, it was disappointingly. I I'm sorry. What? Go, go ahead. Like what, what did you come up with? Oh, I, I don't have them in front of me. Um, oh, oh, but I yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't want to drag them all over into this, but the, uh, one of the, one of my ideas was like, you know, look, if, if your hand just hurts or is telling your brain that it hurts, if you, if you do something, just, you know, push through it. And that essentially turns out to be the solution. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I liked that before he gets to, uh, test that out. Um, masters had a question for him. He asks him, are you Uther's dark reflection? The one that his writing prophesied. And I was wondering, do you think? Junus Uther's Dark Reflection? Uh my only comment when I was reading this was just again, I was I was in a hurry to keep seeing what was happening, so I just reluctantly did the whole, you know, highlight, drag the thing around on my phone, get the cursor to line up, open up the highlight thing, add note, and I just put I doubt it. Um okay. <laughs> so my, my my slightly longer thought on that is that his writings prophesied a dark reflection. That's just a a theatrical trope in so many things, right? Yeah, the, the Star Wars, Harry Potter, etc. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that Uther wrote a prophecy that says, you know, one day I shall have a dark reflection. Now, narratively, that would make sense. Um, mm-hmm. If anything, I think I said this ages ago. You know, Uther will be June's dark reflection. Um, you know, this place, and I think I said that way before we even saw Uther at Kumduna, like the flashback yeah. thing. That yeah. you know, if if Uther went crazy here, whether because 40 years of being tortured wrecked him or uh, 40 years of being tortured alive and 500 years of being tortured in hell broke him, um, he might end up being a baddie. I hope that's not the case. I think I think it's possible that June would be his dark reflection in large part because June seems to be much more meta about everything and dark reflections are generally supposed to be the more thinky goatee stroking kinds of people june is more uh thinky and goatee stroking than arthur but he's not more thinky and goatee stroking than uther uh, that's a good point like after 20 Maybe. years uther had concluded that you know these are these guys are all fake and nothing here matters and june is still yeah. acting like he acting like these people matter and yeah. presumably because he believes they do 
because presumably they actually do. Um, so well, it's, it's at this point, the dark it, reflection, then being the dark reflections, dark reflection makes you the light reflection. So he could be in a way he could be, they could be <laughs> each that other's make any sense at all. Yeah. I mean, they could okay. be each other's counterbalances, right? There we go. Yes. But again, I really hope not. I, I want them to team up just because I want them to be friends again. Yeah. But, uh, in order to, you know, get there, we got to get to meet, we got to get to the lost King. So we got to get out of the situation. Um, June cheats using soul sight, which is fucking awesome. And mm-hmm. he reaches Amaryllis by pushing through like this lava wall and just poking her. And then masters lets them communicate for a bit for a little bit. And then the gang crucially votes unanimously to bail. I don't think they wait for June's answer. Cause it was, it was already four to one. Um, yeah. And they're like, we'll come back for Val later. She'll be, she'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, did I? Oh, I, yeah. So we've got one more quote to pull out before that vote. I guess I was summarizing a little too far ahead. Um, oh, okay. Uh, the, the one other quote was that uh, Masters tells him about the Infinite Library, a library that contains every book that's ever been or will be written. And the latest book they could find was published five years in the future, which uh, gives us a hard time limit, uh, which is really interesting in part because... Like, normally, epic fantasy stories resolve when the final catastrophe is unfolding, right? The, the final demon is being summoned, or Sauron is about to take over the world, or the meteor is about to crash into the Earth. And and we know, because we know how many chapters long this thing is, that we're about halfway through the story. So, if if we've covered a few months so far, and there's five years before the end of the world, either, like, we're going to start getting some time skips and some faster storytelling here, or something's going to happen that makes the impending doom even closer than five years. Like it's going to accelerate how fast the doom doom is coming. It could be, it could be that this, this number moves around too, based on what happened or what happens. Right. Like, okay. Maybe if they convince Val to stop fucking with the devils for every tiny thing, maybe that goes up to seven years. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. And the, the other option is they just solve Arab before the five years are up. Right. Yeah. But then I, I think whatever the final conflict of the solution would be would be would be that thing. So yeah, I would have to move up the timeline then. Yeah, I, I guess I put solve in quotes there because I'm thinking like they're they're not gonna they're gonna go off the beaten path. They're not gonna carry the ring all the way to Mount Doom and throw it in, right? They're gonna be like, no, fuck your story, fuck this whole thing. Or mm-hmm. they're gonna beat it some other way. So like this this timeline is arbitrary and doesn't matter because we're not we're not playing by your rules anymore, kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I, I'm curious, you know, it, I, long term here, I don't think June is going to go the Uther route and just keep solving crises, 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 Cry-sai. emergencies, and crisis. Yeah. And, uh, and just chasing one emergency after another and, uh, keep playing the game. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so June's not going to do it that way. So I, I don't think that he's going to do this. I'm not delivering this quite distinctly but you don't think it's going to happen with the five years big bad at the end kind of thing no i don't think it's going to end with him oh good you finally beat the big monster like that's not how this is going to go down right because that's not the point mm-hmm. yeah. it's not that kind of story exactly and june's yeah. not going to play it that way yeah um, he's not that kind of hero yeah so um oh uh so now they take they- their vote yeah, so they take the vote, and then before they bail, Fen runs over and uh, grabs the mirror with the glove. And yes. I had to call that out because she gets two two helpfulness points from me for quick thinking, and that was a really smart call. Yes, it was. So good on Fen. She had a lot oh. of wins in these chapters. 
Um, cool. So uh, they all walk out of the like whatever portal that Solace made, and mm-hmm. um, it's shrinking. Yeah, it's it's shrinking because you know it has to because narrative stress, right? <laughs> right. Um, and uh, June was like, "Well, I'd be an idiot to stick around," but and he does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he unlocks in solo mode achievement unlocked uh when i saw that i just thought god damn it june what the the fuck are you even thinking um what are your thoughts on his choice is it good or bad good or bad idea that he stayed behind my comment on that was because that's what heroes do that's just such bullshit this is where i wanted my the the namesake for my my joke name came in because you know sure yeah i make grave mistakes all the time but things work out you know Mm. um you know their thinking was Val can take care of herself. And yeah. that's what Amaryllis said. I think what she's thinking is like, look, I like Val a lot, but I'd rather she's lose not. her than lose everyone else and to die myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting mm-hmm. the fuck out of here. We can, we can strategize and, and come back. So Amaryllis is, you know, being pragmatic, but that's, uh, you know, being, being smart and like doing a tactical withdrawal and, and all that. That's, I don't know, you know, common sense isn't heroic. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you're, um, I mean, sure, I guess that's true. I think he's taking way too hard the early message of, you know, cowardice because that, that he, the, the affliction that he got, because like they're dealing with someone who has demonstrated he's insanely powerful and they're in an exclusion zone, which those are always bad. And you, you, you don't know the, that you can trust anything that you see or, hear. well, I guess he has the soul sight, so he can trust the things he sees with soul sight. But aside from that, like, you literally can't trust your own senses. Like, what what are you going to do? Step back. Reassess. Oh, yeah. This is too high level of a boss for sure. But mm-hmm. uh, I did call this out later in my notes that, he, you know, he thinks about it in terms of like, it'd be an act of a supreme cowardice and betrayal to leave Val behind. But he's mm-hmm. not thinking, man, I sure don't want a cowardice affliction. Um, he's just thinking that would be a dick move. Yeah. So I think it's not that he's it's it's less about like I, mean, the, I know the, that he's not literally thinking about the affliction, but I think that's what it looks like when you internalize something like that. Or it's just, you know, that's what heroes do. <laughs> <laughs> right. You have internalized the cowardice affliction thingy. Although I, I think you're, you're probably right. That is what heroes do. Now, the in in on Earth, the the moral probably shouldn't be, you know, run into the burning building uh because you know that's the heroic thing to do because that works in movies um you know on on earth people get you know we get shot so like or you know building falls on us so like you know run away from emergencies you know here on earth but if you find yourself in a story uh yeah you'll be fine do the heroic thing (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm worried he's leaning too much on narrative immunity then i think that if like I Masters just told him Uther was invincible, are you too? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm invincible. I'm going to stick around. Not in so many words. I don't think he had time to get that far <laughs> in his thoughts, but he might have if he had had 30 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that the DM would punish him for acting stupid and heroic. You know, maybe at some point, you know, he could get a slap down if, if he does it too many times. But like, yeah. you know, in, in real life, if you're carrying, you know, like so when he, he's carrying that girl... Uh, away from the zombie Voltron in the beginning, right? Yeah. Um, in real life, if you're carrying somebody running from a giant monster, it slows you down too much and you both get killed, right? Yeah. Uh, in a game, it ends tragically with her being killed anyway, like she was going to if you hadn't tried to save her. But like, he, June was fine. 
Uh, I don't think he would be punished for acting heroic, but I think he might be punished for um, acting as if he's invincible because he thinks the story can't continue on without him. That's true. Um, that said, the DM did say, like, I won't uh, save you if you're going to die or something. He, I, he, he might have been lying. There's a lot of things I don't trust the DM about. <laughs> I mean, I... I think that he is basically honest about most of the stuff they talked about, but that might be one where he's actually lying. Cause like June's the story, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I don't think June could like make the DM do something by threatening to shoot himself, but maybe he could, uh, or maybe the DM would turn the bullets and the gun into bubbles, you know? Yep. And just be like, be, nah, you don't get out this easy. Th- there'd be a legal pad piece of paper that says, fuck you. Just drops, <laughs> drops at it, drops at his feet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Has a table flipping emoji on it. Or just like straight up the DM teleports into the game, kicks June really hard in the balls and teleports out. <laughs> that would be, I hope the book ends that way. I really hope that he tries this at some point. Yes. Um, all right. All right. I, I think that takes us to the end of the chapter. It does. And the chapter name of the last one, Veil of the World, I think fits, the, you know, it's not really a pun. There's not a lot of punny ones since I started deciding to try and like write these down beforehand it was just a really good title you know this yeah, was yeah. The, the fringe of like what's real what's not etc bubblegum yeah. is chapter 110 oh. see i was thinking of it in terms of uh uther spoke to him from beyond the veil of the world from the afterlife that too yeah 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 in multiple meanings yeah bubblegum here i got nothing is it because the spear maiden is pink as that was my guess too i also have nothing maybe we're both uncultured swine and we missed something there's maybe some reference but uh Speaking of, so I guess maybe this opens it's up. something about I came here to kick ass and chew bubblegum and I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> he does do a lot of kicking. Yes, he uh, does. Yeah. And no and no bubblegum chewing. So he could, he could be right. There. <laughs> see, we're super cultured. Perfect. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've seen Ash versus the Evil Dead. Uh, <laughs> originally came from They Live. Ash was quoting the, the They Live when he did that. Oh, nice. Uh, see, you're more cultured than I am. Um, oh, wow. Well. I mean, and I'm sure they, they live, live was, is was not quoting... high <laughs> No, not necessarily, but yeah. um, all right. So June is alone. He's without his companions, but he's not actually alone. He's got Ropey. Um, <laughs> and I think and more than just like as a friend, Ropey counts. Um, yeah, it, it's he's a he's a useful tool in this in that uh, um, Masters doesn't know that he's what kind of entity is. Right. Mm-hmm. So. And then Palida, a member of this pink, Im- like immortal slash reincarnating species called the Renesim, I think. Yes. Uh, okay. Anyway, Palida, the pink spear spear maiden, shows up, and I just put Bishi friend or foe. <laughs> Ooh, we do not yet know. It's super uh, unclear, which is just makes for great tension. It does, yeah. Uh, there is, uh, while he's thinking about the, the illusion magic, um, he he is listing off the weaknesses that it has, and he thinks a fake weakness might work uh, as a complicated chess move, but five fake weaknesses seems like a lot, which, I mean, I agree with him, but I, I mainly pulled that out because I generally always assume other people are playing at 100%, and I think it's important for me to start remembering that maybe people are, you know, hiding some of their strengths, and also that I should start doing that too, because, you know. Just a good idea in general. Bust out the I am not left-handed thing. Yeah. Uh, all of my confessed phobias that I've ever said out loud are fake. And I'm actually way more cunning and intelligent than I, than I let on. Dude, um, I, I suspected this whole time. Yeah. Well, cat's out of the bag. Uh, ah. I mean, when you say that you assume others are playing at 100%, like, I think everyone's 
tired and overworked and distracted all the time. I think people are playing at 20% most of the time. Well, 100% of what they can do at the moment. Oh, yeah. Well, then, then de facto, so are you. I, I mean, am I, though? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yeah. so the, the key is just to... This is on the evil overlord list, you know? Fake some weaknesses that then when they try to exploit them, be like, aha, I'm actually immune to fire. Exactly. Also, I'm, I'm immune to fire. Cool. That's a yeah. good ability to have. Yeah. I'm going to stop trying to burn you down. You'll have to find some other way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. All, all, all right <laughs> yeah all right uh so he is making his way down the hallway he does this both before and after but i think it's actually before uh she showed up and um the the he's doing a thing where he is looking at his hand as he's touching the wall to see if it gets uh knocked away by a doorknob or something even though he can't feel that uh this is where the whole proception is that how you pronounce it proprioception proprioception uh illusion came from which was really cool and it just it occurred to me while th- this was going on that like fighting this illusion magic feels a lot like submarine warfare which i thought it was really freaking cool because you can't use almost any senses you're trying extremely hard not to leak information to the enemy and all the while you're trying to like extrapolate things from the tiny few bits of information that you can observe and that's you know it just makes for fascinating different style of combat Inyash knows all of this because he was actually a, a Marine in the in his 20s who operated a submarine. Some people call them submarines. I, I know I, I've just seen a couple submarine movies. If you've ever if you have a chance to see The Hunt for Red October, it's fucking amazing. Were you laughing at my submarine joke? I, I, I was not. Damn it. I was I laughing that, at the that, that, that is exclusive that, pun territory. <laughs> I was laughing at the implication that I might be worth anything in a war environment. See, I, I would, you know, if, if the world went to zombie apocalypse, I'd be like, no, no, I make a great strategist. Like, you guys, yes. <laughs> yeah, let me sit here with a pen and paper and I'll plan stuff out. That's how I'll earn my keep. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to go fight zombies. I could get hurt. Fuck that. Yeah. Um, oh, so he's damn the full torpedoes full speed ahead thing, right? Uh, I've definitely heard the phrase. That comes from Hunt for an October. It's a great movie. Totally worth watching. Right on. Anyways, moving on. Uh, yeah, that she does show up and she asks, one of the first things she asks, are you friend or foe of Uther? And he says, I don't know. I didn't know him from what I've heard ally, I guess. And I thought that it was a really big admission of him to say that, like, at this point, he doesn't know if he's a friend of Uther. See, I I assumed he just was playing it safe on how to answer the question to this person. Somebody shows oh. up, you knew that Masters was going to contact people, some of it, some of whom hated Uther, some of whom might try to kill me. And so it's like, are you a friend of his? And it's like, uh, uh are you? <laughs> like, okay. that, I think that, I, that's what I thought he was doing. Damn um, it. See, that goes back to my whole thinking everyone's playing at 100% all the time. I'm like, yeah, people are just always default honest, right? Hurdy der. Oh, <laughs> I'm glad you reminded me that, though. Because uh, that that is. I meant to mention this earlier. Um, Uther went 20 years without using the word Kansas or telling anyone about Earth, right? Yeah. And uh, June meets one person on Arab. And I guess maybe because she was super pretty, but like he just, he immediately tells her the full truth. Yeah. And it's what I would have done. Um, mm-hmm. But it wasn't Uther's inclination to do, do it that way. I'm, I'm guessing their starting circumstances were different. Yeah. Because there's no reason to hide that the second you arrive right um, yeah and again i keep thinking that maybe since vervain was the first person he met like he could have been 
telling him, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't tell anybody this. Dude, maybe that's why he had to kill Vervain later, because he was scared about the secret getting out? Because he was the only person he told? I don't know. That's possible. I mean, like like he was saying, though, to June, like, what difference does it make if people find out? You know, like, it could hurt my political capital? Pfft, who cares? You know? I think that was probably a major concern about someone who's trying to create an empire. I suppose. But, you know, at this point, he'd given up on everything, right? Like, none of it mattered. Yeah, that's true. I, I Yeah, good point. I don't know. I, but it could be that. Maybe he decided that, you know, I, I imagine that he, he sustained some serious injuries. And so anything else aside, like being in pain sucks. And so mm-hmm. if uh, if the DM keeps fucking with you and, um, you know, you're you're actually getting physically hurt, then that's a good enough reason. to That, that could be plenty good motivator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so June's thinking like just the, the awesome paranoid thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's really fucking convenient that someone who wants answers from him shows up right after Masters has burned all his bridges. Again, not <laughs> a thing I would have thought because I'm bad at social stuff, I guess. I mean, but and, you've read enough. You've read, you've read enough stories. This sounds like something right that you know, right out of Harry Harry James Potter Evans Varys's head, right? Yeah, yeah. It was it was smart thinking. Yeah, like oh sure, you're here just in time, and suddenly we're on the same side against Masters. Okay, yeah, you bet. And. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also did like his, his thing where he was like, well, I could just fucking kill her, but he's like, well, you know, aside from the fact that I have no idea if she could take me in a fight or not, uh, attacking someone who proclaimed that they just wanted to talk and it showed no aggression seemed like kind of a dick move. And, <laughs> you know, he doesn't need points in social. I mean, that, look at that. Look at those diplomacy skills, right? You know? Killing people is a dick move. <laughs> he already has an essential truth of being nice. You know, don't kill people. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad he got it there eventually. Yeah. Don't kill people who aren't showing aggression and just want to talk, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so she, they're like, all right, we'll, we'll walk this together. You can walk, you can watch me while I kick doors in. And I think she unlocks some of them magically with her spear or something. But he's yeah, basically, okay. I just picture him just, you know, door kick, being pissed, next door, kick. And mm-hmm. one of them was an armory, counted two dozen weapons sitting on the racks mounted against one wall. All of them so oh, different yeah. from each other that I thought most of them were probably entads. Five suits of armor and uh, display cabinets, all of them filled with trinkets. And I'm sure these are all awesome items. And Sable is with Fen, so they yeah. can't take this cool stuff. Yeah, that sucks. Womp. Well, they know where it is. They can come back for it later. That's true. And of course, we have to take it with a grain of salt that that stuff's actually there. Right. Masters might be not be unconscious still. yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, we literally did not know if this was still an illusion or not, because we didn't know that he was unconscious when we were reading this. Well, and, and maybe she knocked him out, like, right before June got there. I, they might have said, I can't quite remember. I think it was, um, wasn't he, like, in the middle of a sentence threatening June and then just disappeared all of a sudden? You might be right. Eh, we'll check later. Someone will, yeah. someone can read this and memorize everything. All right. Absolutely. Face and Lotus Protocols. That is a thing that uh, the the person, Palladia, I believe, the pink bubblegum person. Uh, uh, Palida or Palida. I don't know. Palida? There's no Ia. It's just an A at the end. Oh, okay. Pa- yeah. Pal- How do you say it? I said Palida. Palida. Or pa- okay, or let's go with Palida. Yeah. Palida. I like Palida better. Uh, she yeah she mentions face and lotus protocols uh june recognizes them immediately lotus protocol was when the group had developed when fighting a dream mage and the rule was nothing was to be trusted as being reality and face protocol was one they'd made when they went up against an army of doppelgangers 
And I like this. It's good, smart thinking ahead. They seem like excellent things to have in a fantasy world slash game. But I am also curious if uh, you would consider implementing these similar sorts of protocols IRL, like uh, coming up with, with something, sharing it with close friends, family, that kind of thing, since you do have like the, the Groundhog code and the self-identification code already. I think it's because I don't know what the phase and Lotus protocols are. Like they described, mm-hmm. it's for fighting dream mages and doppelgangers. But mm-hmm. I mean, fighting, you know, testing of someone's doppelganger is easy. Ask them a personal question that you know the answer to and they don't, right? Mm, in theory, but like that's also a thing you can do with Groundhog Day stuff and you have a separate protocol for that. Well, the Groundhog Day thing for me is for me to convince somebody I'm Groundhog Daying without it taking an hour every time. Oh, right. Because you don't, you don't have the, um, yeah, they already know that they know everything, you know. Yeah. Um, so the, the face one, the face protocol seems easy. The Lotus one, I have no idea how, I mean, what, what, What's your protocol if, if nothing was to be trusted as being a reality? Oh, well, I mean, I don't have one because I don't expect I'll run into that in real life. But I mean, I, mean, I also I, don't have I, the I Groundhog really Day protocol to, for the same reason. Yeah, I don't really expect to have a uh, need of my Groundhog Day uh, plan or, you know, a message that could convince me immediately if someone was me from the future or a clone of me. Um, mm. But I have those. I guess I just don't know what it would, what I could possibly do if I thought everything was an illusion. Yeah. So I, I'm wondering what their actual protocol is. Like, be super careful. Like, <laughs> I mean, I am test. I'm also curious. Test the floor in front of you in case it's a bottomless pit. Like, ooh, it's a good idea. Oh, you know, that's another thing. It's, again, there's there's hard limits to illusion magic because otherwise it'd be super super broken, and it's only a little broken. That's why it got excluded. Um, mm-hmm. If if you could mess with someone's proprioception, you could just make them think they're falling into a bottomless pit. Yeah. And just, I would imagine you know, so. just snap your fingers and like suddenly they see a bottomless pit that they're falling in and they feel like they're falling, mm. you know? So, so if, uh, if June says, no, you can't just block out their eyes. It's like, all right, well I make them feel like they're falling. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I have no idea how I'd prepare for, okay, Steven, you have a good reason to believe that everything around you might be fake. Be careful. Like what, that, what the hell would I do in that situation? I'll have to think about it. Okay. Is it something uh, that you would actually think about, I guess, is the is the question I was getting at? Well, now it's, you know, just fun mental masturbation. <laughs> cool. I'll put it on the back burner and see if anything comes out. Yeah. Um, I just in, in terms of, you know, not being a total douche, I do have to point out that I also have a self-recognition protocol code, which, you know, maybe it's dumb of me or whatever to have that, but I do, so. It's not dumb. It's smart and prudent because I have one too, so. <laughs> just Just okay. in case, be prepared exactly yeah boy scouts marching song that's right so um there's they come to like this big heavy door which is obviously the one where you know they where they need to go right because it's the big heavy locked one and so june looks at it and it like tries to kick through it and unsurprisingly breaks his leg um Mm -hmm. and it's actually broken like he gets the notification the affliction and all that and i'm assuming he'd have broken two bones without the class clown perk because that was hilarious um, <laughs> cool so i i don't I, I think it counts as physical comedy it made yeah. me laugh like yeah. i mean he's like all right this looks heavy let me try and kick it ow fuck and he breaks his leg i mean how is that not yep. funny definitely heavy so he heals it and uh 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 palada does some spear magic fuckery to open it and inside valencia is doing just fine she's standing next to an unconscious and bound and gagged up masters yeah, and uh, Palladia, Palada eventually comes in. They're doing 
talking and negotiating about what they're going to do next. Is he going to come with them? Whatever. And uh, Valencia keeps like calling her out about <laughs> basically everything. And uh, they, they say it's an entad happening instead of like she's eating a devil. But at, uh, at one point she says, Pilate asks, how the fuck are you doing this? She says, entad. Pilate says, you're lying. And Valencia says, she's just guessing that you're lying. <laughs> and Pilate is like, well, that's already annoying. <laughs> and yes, super insanely annoying from their point of view. But I love it because Val is on our side and having super annoying OP powers on your side rocks. Yeah, it's cheating when the other team does it. Yes, exactly. When we do it, it's we awesome do it, strategy. It's yeah, That's right. right. <laughs> yeah, Val is like that character from that TV show, Lie to Me. And we talked about it, I think, mm-hmm. on The Last Basin Conspiracy, based on that guy, that supposed expert at microexpressions, Paul Ekman. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, she, you know, I remembered watching that show and he was like asking questions and he was just like, no, that's not true. No, I'm on the right track. And it, it was a fun gimmick, but it the show didn't last because that's not that it's not that interesting. Okay. So, uh, you know, on its own, that's not its that's that's not enough to make a per, a show run for more than a couple of seasons. But Val's right. got other stuff going for her. So you also uh, have to be fucking adorable, and you know, uh, funny and naked pillow fights and um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would watch many shows with naked pillow fights in them. Oh yes. Uh, so June is thinking. All right, that's this isn't the big problem. Uh, the team is safe, uh, except Fen. Fen is not going to let common sense stop her. as we see in the next chapter is the case and i really i think that's one of the good things about about love slash passion that you can kind of count on someone to not necessarily engage common sense when you need to like fen fen is coming to save june even though june was a dipshit and that makes me like her a lot same here i mean letting common sense stop you isn't heroic and it's like you know, you put it more, um, art, 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 not just articulately, but more passionately and thoughtfully than I did. But you're right. Mm-hmm. Like this, you know, love doesn't just walk away, right? Um, yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't, you know, it's it's why Harry's parents tried to fight Voldemort. Um, it, you know, it doesn't matter that this isn't going to work. It's you got to try. Um, yeah. I I liked how Fen was just like, no, fuck it. Yeah, of course, we're going to go back for him. That fucking asshole. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the reason that they're uh, they're in a time crunch is because the cavalry just arrived, and I think like the yeah. ground shook or something. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had guessed. Oh, up until the reveal, like of what this thing was, which is not quite clear. I thought it was a spaceship when we got to see it, but my first thought when like, hey, the ground shook and the cavalry is here, I thought they rode in on a dragon. That'd have been cool. Oh, yeah, that would have been badass. But a spaceship's cool too, or a spaceship looking thing. Yeah. So we start at the next chapter, page 111, called Peered Pressure, uh, from a friend's point of view. And I thought this was going to be an uh, entirely fun chapter, which made me really happy. But then it turned out not to be, which made me less happy. But, oh, well, still a good chapter. Yeah, it was interesting that it didn't give us, like, um, oh, it did give us a line break, didn't it? But yeah. it was still subtle, the point of view shift. For a couple of paragraphs, it could still have been both people, or at least for several sentences. Um, yes, that is but- true. Yeah, I, 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 I at least I remember when I was reading that, I was like, oh, wait, we switched characters. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the line break was just like, we changed scenery. But yeah, uh, mm-hmm. but it was a fun chapter for a while. And it was awesome. Um, let's see. The portal winks shut, leaving the trunk of the tree unblemished and evaporating any last hope that Juniper was going to come through. Mary let out a groan. This is not how personal a rational person reacts to someone taking a hostage. And mm-hmm. 
I'm like, yeah, sure. Tactical regrouping is one idea, but murdering your way to the solution is another valid option. Mm. It's certainly never let him down before. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, the, she does say that her luck is screaming. Well, not screaming as much, but still saying not to go back. But uh, even though in the past when she went back, she got cut in half and died or ended up in jail. She's going to uh, ignore her luck sense and go anyway, which is really cool. Yeah, I, you know, I'm glad you pulled that out. I don't know if I did or not, but um, it's like you said, that's love, man. You know, she's like, well, fuck, I, my spidey sense is still tingling. And if I go back in there, I know it's going to start screaming again, but I'm going back in. There's nothing else about it. Um, yep. There's a long, uh, I guess somewhat long. I don't know. Everything seems shorter and I'm looking at it on a web page rather than on my phone. But they spend a good deal of time trying to like establish if they're still being illusion fucked with. And mm-hmm. it's a lot of this is kind of lost on me. Um, like there are at least one or two references where um well, so first of all, Fen, she says, hold on, I have something for this. And she pulls out the the ball, the Entad that changes colors. Yeah. And she says, before you say anything, I didn't steal it. I just grabbed it in case Masters hadn't meant to leave it there. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. But high five. Um, mm-hmm. But then Amaryllis, I don't know, does something with it. And then she says, 14 points. And Fen rolls her eyes at that. They're accumulating secrets. And Mary's parentage was technically one of them. What the fuck mm-hmm. are they talking about? Uh, she said something about uh, these Entads are uh, attuned to you, and uh, everyone knows they're attuned to Uther. So, like, point four, the, her, their fourteenth secret was that no one can know who Mary really is. I, I believe that's what that is a reference to. Oh, I only remember there being a few things in that list, but you're right. That was the last one, and that might have been it. Might have been fourteen long. Okay, yeah. Thank you. That clarifies that because I was. Uh, I thought that that there was some code here, and I, I completely drew a blank. Oh yeah, yeah but like well, I mean, there was a code. Yeah, yeah, but Amaryllis is operating under the assumption that hey, look, they could still be listening. We can't be just saying that you know I'm a pen drag, et cetera, et cetera. So now I get my friend rolls her eyes at that. It's like, look, come on, we're past that. Shit's hitting the wind. Who cares who you are, right? Mm-hmm. And this is, I think I pulled this out. Uh, yeah, so I'll save it. Um, well, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> speaking of the ball that she drops out of her hand, it's the one that turns blue and green if they know stuff or know of stuff or, you know, different colors if they don't know things at all. But uh, Amarilla says Chinatown uh, in in italicies, meaning it's the name of a, a movie, and Chinatown, just regular, meaning it's a place, and the ball goes blue and green for them, meaning she knows one, she knows of one, and the other one she knows because she's seen it directly. And I thought that's that's really cool because the entad can tell if you're thinking which thing you're thinking of, even though it's the same word. So it's like a mind invasion entad, which I guess fits the whole theme of that chapter where you can just fuck with people's brains. But yeah, that was, that was neat. I mean, it was clearly reading minds already, but it's like uh like Harry's pouch. Like it knows the intention and I'm yeah, glad you pulled that out. Cause deeper I level. Yeah. I didn't follow what was happening there when she said Chinatown, in and out of italicies and it changed mm-hmm. and it was different blues and it didn't occur to me that one was a movie and one was a place so um like it's super obvious in hindsight and i suppose if i had tried to think about it i might have thought of it but i didn't mm-hmm. so thank you for explaining that to me because i was confused yeah. uh, <laughs> no problem uh, she also offers as one of the ways to um to verify who they are without leaking information to start using the first letter of each word of what they say. And then they switch that letter to a number using the mod 13. And I was like, did they memorize 
all those, like which number corresponds to which letter, and and I'm assuming also the rot thirteen swaps during their time in the chamber, because that's a really fucking dope use of their time if they did. Just in case. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It sure sounds like they did, and that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. I just think it's funny that you know at the time it's like you know when will this come in handy? It's like well actually next week. Um. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the so the best part of all this is like they're trying to think of ways to verify who they are to each other without leaking information to him if if to masters if he's still watching and you know they keep being stymied by the fact that he could do a man in the middle attack where he's he's simulating fen talking to amaryllis at one point and simulating simulating amaryllis talking to fen at a different point and then you know using their two actual reactions to feed back into each other and keep running into this oh no but he could be simulating everything in the middle he could be uh doing an illusion as to what color the ball flashes there's there's just all these complications and fan is like look it's all illusion nothing matters let's just go already and and then before uh, emeralds can even open her mouth says uh fan is uh taking off because they're all wasting time and i think that I, I assumed when I was reading this that you were going to be like upset at Fen again for just being like blah 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 thinking talking this is bullshit let's go smash heads but I, I think you'd have to admit that in this case Fen is the only one taking the correct action because everyone else is faffing about trying to get around this illusion thing and I don't know if you even can if you could it would take a long fucking time to figure it out. And she, she, Fen is the only one that sees that the only two practical options are either we're in illusion or we're not. If we are, we either retreat right now uh, or we attack. And if we're not, we basically have to, and we have the same options. And I'm choosing to attack. And you guys can retreat if you want. But like all this running around, trying to establish protocols, trying to figure out what's true or not, you just, you can't. It's, it's. You take your best guess and you go. And sometimes I think you need fence like that. No, I it's it's great. Um, Insight. My note was uh, from from inside her head. Her actions are perfectly relatable and make internal sense. Like they don't have all day to sit around establishing a security protocol, even if trying to is eminently sensible, right? Yeah. Uh, no. So I was one hundred percent on Fen's Fen's page this this whole time. Um, oh. Yeah. I, I I think she acted uh, prudently and appropriately. Um, I would be curious to see what it would be like being in her head when like, I think she's being kind of like unhelpful or obtuse about stuff, but she mm-hmm. wasn't, she wasn't doing that here. Like she, you know, Amaryllis is like, and maybe it's because, you know, Amaryllis is the only one who spent all this time studying like computer science to be like, Oh, we could do like a che- you know, checksum and add salt to the checksum that would make it near impossible to dupe in real time. And Grack is like, that's too onerous. And then just like, we can't just sit around here. Like, look, either we can establish a security protocol that works and I'll just take your word for it because I'm not following your fucking computer science conversation uh, mm. or we can just do the thing and go back in and save him because, you know, this either this is all fake or it's not. And if it's all yeah. fake, then we're fucked no matter what. If it's not, then we're wasting time, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's a lot like real life that way. Like maybe we are all in the matrix, but you can spend your entire life masturbating about it or you can just fucking assume that it is real and go forth yeah i mean but and this is like an because actual like time crunched emergency anyway. right yeah 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 no i was it was great i was 100 percent in fen's fen's page this whole time um 
you know, when she stole the mirror and stole the ball, like that all like, Hey, hundred percent on board of that. Then high five, uh, her decision to, to say, look, screw you guys. And your like ridiculous conversation here. I'm pretty sure that this is real. And if it's not, we're fucked. Let's go in there and let's go save this stuff. Right. Yeah. No, I was hundred yeah. percent on, on, I was, I was, uh, in Fen's camp this whole time. Okay. Well, all righty then. Never mind. No, I, I, I was just happy to report that. Cause, uh, yeah, Fen had a lot of wins and this was another one of them. Um, okay. So, the, so she goes rushing off and it switches to Amaryllis's POV, which ah, I was like, damn it. I really liked Fen's point of view. I hope we get more of those. Me too. I, I want one from everybody. Um, cause we've had a couple of Amaryllis's already, but you know, um, <laughs> Amaryllis. Have we had a huh? Have we had a couple? I thought we only had one. Uh, we had the one when she was, uh, soul whammied and the other one when she was like oh, swinging okay, over yeah, to Kunduna. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. You're right. Um, anyway, so it cuts to Amaryllis and she's just like, this is how people die. Like mm-hmm. fucking a Fen. And, mm-hmm. uh, Fen was just like, and this was nice too. Um, it was a good comeback. You're the one who keeps saying Juniper's the lever that moves the world fucking acts like it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, good on Fen. I think that she makes a compelling point. Um, so they, they run to the, back to this, back to this, I, I don't know if the, the whole place is the dream skewered clinic or no, that's just like one part of the Athenaeum of speculation and scrutiny, right? Yeah. So anyway, they get uh, back to the dream yeah. skewered part of it. And there was a shiny hunk of metal shaped like a bean sitting in front of the clinic. So mm-hmm. apparently it was like a spaceship. That was my thought when I saw it. Yeah. So yeah. not a dragon and maybe a spaceship, but at the very least a flying ship. Um, yes. And uh, rather than run because they're both have short legs, uh, Grack and Solus just teleport in in a burst of leaves. <laughs> And the fox is like, there's a fox person there meeting them with daggers. It's like, you brought a child? And I keep forgetting that Solas looks like she's six years old. And this this is a good reminder. She's a very old six-year-old. Yes. And then parenthetically, age is just a number, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're still aligned. Um, I don't care if she's intellectually 400. She's physically six uh, well anyway. I mean, yeah right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i just I'm, oh, oh you I'm, were doing the in, okay i'm doing the thing you, where i'm giving you a hard time i'm sorry yeah i didn't realize that you were trying to do the age is just a number man like as in creepy sex stuff yeah alas okay got it there we go all right i was going to read this whole thing but i can just summarize it because there's a nice amorous characterization moment like mm. she has in her own mind like a parenthetical about like all these, you know, there's like this crowd of dipshits looking around at this obvious emergency and kind of like crowding. And mm-hmm. she's like, that's not what you do. You, you bail like they did at the pool in uh Baron jewel. Yeah. And she was like, you know, it's actually nice though. Like these people haven't had lives like that. Right. So, yeah. you know, they don't, they don't have a, an ingrained response to an emergency. So, right. Uh, she, she's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a bummer and it's annoying if some of them die for it, but like, it's kind of nice that it, she says it was good that people weren't adapted to crisis. If yeah. it meant that they hadn't suffered the hard knocks of first hand experience. So yeah. yeah, she's pragmatism incarnate, but she can also appreciate the innocent innocence of a not harsh life. Mm-hmm. I think like when she said that she wishes her life was different and that she could have maybe have been a druid. I don't think that she was being fully dishonest, you know? Yeah. So good on her. Anyway, this, Indeed. this Fox, the Fox chick with, uh, the two daggers, um, she's awesome. Yeah. And I really hope she's the last companion because Fox people are fucking awesome. And I would really love to have one in the party so much. I think that 
it could be the fox person. My money's on the on Palada, or yeah, Palada is how we're saying it. It sounds like Paladin. Um, Mine too, because she's had the most interaction with June yet. But my, but she's my thinking is bubblegum and there's, not, there's, not a fox person. There's a TV show called Adventure Time, and mm. one of the characters is Bubblegum Princess, or rather Princess Bubblegum. They call her PB. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, his companions need to be princesses. Oh, and she's okay. bubblegum colored. So, yeah, that that's that's the entirety of my evidence. Um, that is some pretty darn good evidence. You make a compelling point. I think that the I think that they both make equally good candidates outside of that, though. Um, yeah. You know, like I said, I hope that his last uh, companion was a humanoid. That's all I wanted. I didn't want another mm-hmm. animal. I didn't want another object. <laughs> I with wanted. The, I wanted something. The fox animalia count. Yeah, totally. Yeah, okay, just cool. something with two arms and two legs. You know, all right. Ma- plus or minus some, but like you know, just just something that again, I don't have to like relate to in the way that I relate to a deer or I relate to a sentient house. So. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a uh, like Fen shoots an arrow at the at the fox. The she like stops it with magic and then turns around and shoots it back at Fen, who like casually steps aside and catches it. And they're just mm-hmm. both like, "Oh damn!" at each other. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a line here I wanted to ask you about. Um, the exact upper limits of illusion magic weren't known, but exclusion zones tended to de- or tended to be degenerate. Um, and I feel like they said this before, like, does this mean in your opinion that exclusion zones became less become over time, less capable of containing their excluded magic or that the magic in an exclusion zone works less well over time? No, by degenerate, I think they mean degenerate gameplay. It, it stops being a fun game and starts being abused as one mechanic over and over to win. Oh, that's a good answer. I like it. So it doesn't degenerate. It's it's degenerate. Yeah, in my defense, yeah. English is stupid. And that's the same spelling. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, I think it even means the same thing. Basically, it's just being used in a, in a different way. It's the generating the gameplay rather than you know the magic being degenerating. That fa- yeah, okay, that checks out. Well, great. I like that answer. Um, I think this is. Uh, oh yeah, it's near the end of this, but um, it was. I don't know if it was in a June parenthetical or something because it was like a June like thought but it says that the term campus security didn't inspire fear on earth. And mm-hmm. we're like, so he's having to explain like why it's a big deal that campus security is on their way. Cause mm-hmm. like to all of us, we know that as like, yeah, these are like those dweebs with plastic badges that, you know, tell you to hold still while we call the real police. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, so, so what if, if campus security is on their way? Like, mm-hmm. but apparently they drive tanks and kick ass on Arabs. So <laughs> yes, they have fucking mini guns in the back of their vans. Yeah. Oh no, it's because they caught up with June here in this chapter. That's right. Um, uh, wait, did they? Yes. Uh, or, no, not no, yet. Early sorry. next. Cha- yeah, it's next chapter, but still. But they they do another round of like, um, I don't know, like trying to confirm if they're all each other because Grac, I think, finishes his ward against uh, illusion magic. Yeah. And so like, all right, everyone name a movie. And Grack says deep throat and Fen chuckles. And mm-hmm. that's funny. So good. That, that was a good joke. <laughs> cool. It would have been funny if deep throat was another exclusion terror. Um, oh, Jesus. Like, like some face hugger <laughs> alien. Oh, I was just thinking like something starts coming to this, to swallow the world. That too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then uh, at the end, they are, they ask for votes on whether they're going to go with these people or not. Uh, Because they're like, you know, come with us if you want to live kind of thing. 
And um, the Finn says, I thought we were ignoring votes when, when Amaryllis called for a vote. And I, you know, I think she has made a hell of a point. June, like, royally fucked the group dynamics when he ignored the vote and went all solo. And they're going to have to reestablish a lot of trust to remain cohesive, in my opinion. It was it was the thing I was worried about back when uh, I, I was worried he may just ignore um, Valencia's vote and go do the thing he wanted to do instead of going to Kumduna. I'm so glad that you, like hammered on that point back at that at that time because i was like oh yeah you know maybe that'll be a drama thing later but i didn't put a lot of thought into it until you know we discussed it and i think you're right i mean you know it's i get where june's coming from 100 percent. you know mm-hmm. like yeah i'll go with the vote until the vote is stupid then i'm gonna do the smart thing right and mm-hmm. so like but that's not how it works if, if we're gonna all be equals it has to work you know uh you can't just unilaterally decide what you're going to do right um but it also you know this whole voting system is going to leave a lot of people unhappy you know what if they were three to two of like let's leave right Mm -hmm. um it's like well now we're all going to leave because we have to because the the vote leaned that way but i'm pissed and so is this other person like now we're all mad at each other right like yeah it it, honestly i think that it's probably i imagine this is how it worked with uther's group where it's like we're all doing what i say and that's that Right. Um, I don't know if that's how it worked with his group, but I assume that's how it is. And uh, I think that's probably how it's going to go down here where June might express something to the, to the, um, to the sentiment of like, look, I want to do what you guys want to do and I will follow votes unless I think there's a really, really good reason not to. Right. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he'll, you know, so slightly knuckle adv- under. Votes are more of an advisory capacity kind of thing. Yeah. And it sucks. Cause if it's like a, uh, you know, if he if he comes out and says that, then they're they're like, well, great, but you know, thanks for like telling us that you'll pretend to listen to us. I guess yeah. um, it's it's a it's a drama moment. I don't know. Uh, I I wonder what what kind of fallout this is going to have because they can't leave per narrative, right? Mm-hmm. And so, what are they going to fall around this guy that they resent? I don't know. I mean, as far as we know, they can't leave. It still seems like Grack has plans to leave once he gets his thousand pounds of gold. Yeah, well, he wants to go. He wants to make a pilgrimage to his to the mausoleum that was once his home, right? Um, yeah, I don't know if he, that means like leave the party forever. It's a companion honestly, quest. I think it, I think it may mean leave the the realms of existence forever. Uh, maybe I. I mean, maybe mm. I don't know. I what what would what he's going to just take a bag with a thousand pounds of gold in it leave it in the middle of this empty cave and then just you know off himself like if he really wants to make penance it's going to involve like restoring this place to what it once was right bringing in more people you know rebuilding and that will take a lifetime yeah yeah that would definitely be a better penance in my opinion but uh this chapter ends with amaryllis thinking to herself please juniper let's leave before things get any more complicated Mm -hmm. So th- things are complicated. This is fun. I mean, wh- what's what's reality? What's not? You know, can we trust these people? Can we not? Um, and chapter 112, Egress. Uh, speaking of can we trust these people, they've got a plan A and a plan B. Plan A yeah. is cooperate and talk. And plan B? Val says plan B is suicidal, indiscriminate violence against us. <laughs> Maybe not right away, but with the option for it if we give the wrong information. <laughs> yeah it's a a hell of a plan b yeah damn i mean uh it's unclear how much of this is her you know 
I, I feel like when you view things through the lens of devil magic, then like, I don't know, things might have a more sinister tint to them than they would otherwise. Um, mm-hmm. And yet I think she's right because uh bubblegum princess acts like that. So um, yeah, she's like, well, shit. Yeah. Stop knowing everything. Yeah. You're really making it hard for us to like even bother having plans. If you can just tell them what they are, you're, you're really ruining our whole thing here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's, I like this June's just like, look, do you have some sort of distance communication? You know, we could use that instead. If you, if all you want to do is talk and uh, she says your, your friends are already on board the egress. They agreed to go. And so the egress is the name of their ship. And I don't know, it feels like a little on the nose for a ship name, but, uh, hmm. you know, I'm not, I'm not, I think it's a good one. If you want to get the fuck out of somewhere. Yeah, no, it's a good one. Like I said, it's just a little, it's a little on the nose. Um, okay. yeah, I, I kind of in the same vein where, uh, when Thor is getting his, his ax and, uh, he asks, does it have a name? And he says, Stormbreaker. And then rocket mm-hmm. is like, that's a bit much. Uh, <laughs> but uh you know walkie talkies would be ideal let's sort this out from our respective strongholds where we don't have to be crazy paranoid uh but you already have my friends captive so that's that um yeah all right i yeah. guess we're going with you yeah uh before he goes with him though masters gets reconscious um stops being unconscious wakes up that's the word <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah they're, they're gonna bring him with um uh so I, uh, that's the context here. So they are heading down to the ship, but they're carrying Master's unconscious body. And there's uh, like no, this. Well, I mean, there's this funny they, beat where June, like, quote unquote, checks it, um, like, make sure, like, is he okay? And he lifts his eyelids, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't know. I think so." <laughs> right. <laughs> Fortunately, they do not have a veil on their side. Right. Uh, yeah, but they they leave um, they leave Masters uh, in the entranceway, and June takes the the page with their names on it, which I thought was smart thing. Good job, June. Um, but uh, as they're leaving, Masters comes to, and he hits June with an illusion, like bad to the point where he can't you know move or do anything. Uh, he is dragged out of the the zone, the exclusion zone, eventually by his teammates. Uh, but while Masters has him in the illusion, he's telling him, "Look." Just stay here. I can fix everything if you stay. We can talk at a distance outside the exclusion zone if you want, please. And he is, June doesn't respond to him because he thinks that the newcomers aren't any more trustworthy than masters. Maybe less so since they have the suicidal violence plan B. Uh, But at least they hadn't tried to fuck me yet. And I don't know. Do you think that he should have stayed behind and taken masters up on this offer? Or do you think he made the right call in leaving? I mean... It's a tough. It's a tough spot. Um, honestly, I would have brought Masters with us. He can only do illusion magic here, right? That is true. I, I that would have been my my go to. Um, yeah. But like he. So before I get my answer, I've got to point out that Masters also says, "Look, Uther left behind a cache for you or whoever else might have come instead of you. Some of it's quite mm-hmm. powerful. The kind of equipment you'll need if you mean to take up his mantle." And mm-hmm. he looks at him, and he looks like just haggard and he just says please um mm-hmm. which is interesting because like he he looks run down but like this is his projection right yeah and so even his projection looks haggard and run down and i'm just yeah. you know th- this is tough i got the impression that masters is just a desperate guy who's gone a bit crazy but like he's not malicious mm-hmm. that was my impression too yeah and, and i don't think he lied either like you know i, th- I think he's being honest uh so you know get into some non-illusion magic territory and talk you know that sounds good um i want that cash from uther uh yeah but this is the thing he there's a time crunch the 
the campus police are here. And um, I think what I'd do, I'd be like, hey, look, you know, meet me at the coffee shop in town in a month, right? Or like a week. Yeah. You know, no one knows about the teleportation pad, so they can always nope the fuck out of wherever they end up if things get dicey. And that was mm-hmm. that was in my notes. And then first thing that happens is like, oh, we're in an anti-teleportation zone. I'm like, well, fuck. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But um, I liked this too. June decides to to go with uh, um, his companions on the egress. Well, also, unless he can get his friends off that ship, like he's not going to like let them fly away, right? It's one thing right. to let them teleport two, 200 yards away, but to let them go who knows where, um, mm. that's that's legit stupid. Uh, yeah. They were close enough to reinforce, you know, to come come back and, and help if needed later. Um, but he thinks to himself parenthetically, there was something else buried under the surface and mostly unexamined. Masters wanted answers, but he was following Uther's will. From what I'd heard, this new group wasn't too keen on Uther. They'd give me a different stories about Uther, I was sure, and I'd refer to hear Master's version. Um, it's cool of him to think, admit that kind of emotional thinking to himself, you know, and us, right? Yeah. But he does end up going with the, uh, I don't know what we should call the the squadron of space spaceship folks here. Uh, let's call them Space Squad. Yeah. I was going to say Guardians of the Galaxy sounds a little too heavy. Um, <laughs> but yeah. the There's irregulars. Yeah. I... It's tough. Like I said, I would have asked him to come with. And if he's like, you know, I, I literally can't for probably good reasons, then it's like, fuck, man, I don't know. We'll talk in a few days. Like, let's let's not let's not burn this bridge. Let's just, uh, you know, I'll, I'll call you next week, you know? Yeah. But that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it's tough. These new guys, though, again, I don't know if they want to kill. Every- I mean, it's clear they have a plan to kill everybody, but that might just always be plan B, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, that's not a bad. I'm sure that. They have a scenario X for quick kill everyone, right? I meant uh, mm-hmm. the Council of Arches. Oh, so you know if Amaryllis, you know they have you know scenario one, two, three, or whatever. Is this a companion quest or something? Yeah. If they don't have a secret code for quick start killing everyone, then they're not thinking properly, right? That is a good point. So ha- just having that on your list of possible options isn't that bad. Um, it, it it felt to me like they were more specifically you know targeting and planning the murder of june in specific yeah that i think that's that's valid and murder everyone shouldn't be plan b right it, it, should, it should be at least d yeah it should be further down my plan x this whole time since we've learned about shia labeouf has been to summon him in case of emergency um you know oh. there's a lot there's a lot of reasons why that's a bad bad idea yeah um, and i'm sure that it's not as easy as summoning him and teleporting away because i'm sure he'll just go to where you went where, where you end up right but, if he only kills most of the people, then, you know, you might not be one of them. Maybe you could kill him after he kills your enemies. You know, it just, it's, it, it's, that's not impossible. You are correct. Don't get me wrong. It's <laughs> stupid as hell, but it's, but it's hilarious right. and it might work. So yeah, I, I, I had the idea about that when they were in the, when June was being illusioned, but I didn't know like if he was trapped in the mirror or something at that point. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Hey, summoning Shia LaBeouf might end up with everyone being killed. So maybe the things aren't that dire yet. But, you know, that's why they were here, you know, to mention this whole thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wait, Masters, I had to tell you about Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. And just, I mean, isn't the population of the area that they're in like a million people or something? Oh, yeah. He kills most people in the vicinity, doesn't he? Not just like the room yeah. that they're in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess, Jeez. I mean, if you're okay with that. Mm, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how big his rampages are. I, I I might have to do some reading if I was June before I decided whether or not it would ever be a good idea to to 
to conjure him. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, they're all on the ship and they're they're flying away, right? They are indeed, and uh, they're talking to each other in code again uh, to verify who is who. And I just pulled this part out because they're using movies again, uh, since even if they are an illusion, then Masters won't know what, what's a real movie and what's not. Uh, the June says that he vetoed uh, them watching The Thing for a movie night, which is just the worst move June has made in this entire story. Because that movie is fucking amazing, first of all. But importantly, it also would have given them a lot of good ideas about what to do if people's identities are in question. They might even have been like, oh, huh, there's something like this could happen on air. Maybe we should set up some protocols. And then that got me thinking that maybe the DM himself had a hand in June vetoing it. Because, you know, he thought they are going to run up against Masters sometime. It'd be better if they hadn't seen the thing and had these protocols first. And why else would you veto such a good movie? <laughs> like, I think maybe June direction the actions were directly manipulated by the DM. This might be good evidence for the DM actually. You're right, dipping his hand into the game and saying, "Nope, that's that's going to get rid. Of, that's going to ruin a plan I have for later." Because that would be a good explanation for why he vetoed the thing. Um, yeah, that I, would be the only good explanation. <laughs> I mean. It could be that maybe he wanted a relaxing movie and the thing is actually kind of scary and be much more scary on Arab where like, who knows if there's one of these things running around. So mm, no. like maybe he just wanted to watch like, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a relaxing, funny movie, but they already watched Monty Python, um, hmm. you know, so, something lower stakes. They lent that sex and adventure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Watch that instead of uh, something scary. That might've been a reason to veto it, but uh i i like your explanation a lot <laughs> thank you <laughs> um they the he gets a quest completed straddling worlds there were five five dream skewered five centuries ago there were no answers about those others to be found at speculation and scrutiny if you want to know more complete the lost king found mm-hmm. and i was i had to pull that whole thing out because that's exciting um I suspect Arthur did do a thorough investigation on the other dream skewered and there was in fact nothing to be found. And mm-hmm. the game is telling him, go find Arthur, damn it. Mm-hmm. Yay. Huzzah. I, yeah, I am also happy about that. Uh, the, the, I, I mean, he was going to find him anyway, but at least now we're getting more pushes from the game because they've been sidetracked so much recently, you know? Yeah. It's, it's about, about time we got back on the real track. Anyways, um, she, uh, Fen to prove who she is spells out what the fuck or WTF anyway. And uh, Amaryllis is like, "What? That's what? These are jumbled nonsense letters you gave us. What's up?" And Finn says, "It's an acronym." June knows, and June says, "It's an initialism." <laughs> which, first of all, I did not know those were two different things. I had to look it up, so I learned something from reading this. An initialism is one where you say each letter, and an acronym is one that you say the word, like "dare," right? Yes, or NASA instead of NASA. Right, and yeah, WTF. What the fuck? See, I guess I totally missed it when I, I skimmed it and looked at all the movies that she said. I grabbed the first letter of all of those and shoved them in a rod 13. And uh, okay. there were some extra letters, but it spelled piss off. Um, <laughs> awesome. Double, I'm, double coolness from Wales's point of view or just awesome coincidence. It might be an awesome coincidence, but I, I it might. I, it's almost too much to be a coincidence. So yeah. I thought I ignored the whole initialism and uh, initialism acronym thing and i thought that she spelled piss off but yeah um i see oh yeah wz and then okay which was code for t i see uh 
it does spell it out that, oh yeah, that meant F. Oh, it goes ahead and just tells me. I spent, I even noted in the thing, I was like, I don't want to have to go figure this out. And then I did. And then that turned out not to be the answer. (laughs) (laughs) But you found piss off, which is really interesting. I am totally going to go, and if I ever talk to Wales, ask him, you know, like, was this intentional? Has Steven found another Easter egg? We need to put together a list. Uh, the other thing on the list is, does he know how the sun works on air? Because I suspect he doesn't. Ah, okay. I suspect the answer is, fuck you. Like, yeah. <laughs> not, that, that won't be the answer he gives, but that's the answer right. of how it works. Yeah. Yep, yep. Fuck you, it's magic. Yeah. Also, so, um, with with him, that that is, that is June, like, it's, that was a cool thing to learn. But, like, that was a blatant deflection. He did not answer a question. It was really a shitty kind of deflection too like hey by the way you're stupid as his deflection it was dismissive yeah like it it was it was um i don't know not not dismissive like belittling yeah 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 totally and and she that is the next thing i pulled out she says you are so fucking dismissive of me and uh because this this is after she pulled out um the transformers cartoon uh, to because Orson Welles apparently does a voice in the Transformers cartoon movie, which I have never seen. I hear it is the only good Transformers movie, obviously, but I hear that it's actually good. Um, but uh, she, she, and this whole time, June had not known what she was talking about. And he was like, Orson Welles, no, you're, you're crazy. There's no Orson Welles in Transformers. Right. And, and uh, he was she, like, no, you must be mistaken. Right. Yeah. And she slaps it down. She says, the point is that I... I said that I had seen it and you just thought that I was confused or being stupid and I wasn't, I was right. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know. My, my first feeling was that I feel this has been a problem in my past in relationships as well. And I feel bad about it. And I think I'm doing better with it now, but, um, well, I, I have more things to bring up in a second, but you have some other comments. So let's get to those. Well, a, I think you're crushing it. Um, B. So you have not been involved in personal relationships with me. No, you're, you're not your romantic nature. Your current relationships. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, everyone's got stuff they're getting better at all the time. But if you're saying you think you're doing better, I'm I'm giving you an affirmation that I believe you might be. Um, okay. So, like, when Fen starts off pissed here, um, you know, giving these movies Transformers, my boyfriend sucks, etc. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, she's pissed. Be- she's not pissed because democracy failed. She's mad that June stayed in harm's way and she wasn't there to help. Like, mm-hmm. I totally get that. Um, I thought that's why she was mad. And then she starts bringing up like, no, this is actually a thing that's been going on. And the thing is, like, when she mentioned Transformers before, I knew that what she was talking about because I remember the commercials for the cartoons, you know, robots in disguise, right? Yeah. And that's what she says. And it's like, June never saw those. And so we're like, no, she's talking about something. She must be talking about like the cartoon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, granted... This isn't, this is like, so like a rom-com, like that's not the real point of the fight, right? This is just an mm-hmm. example of the thing. Um, but, you know, she's like, look, I said, if we don't leave, we could die. And what do you do? You stayed like, fuck you. You know, you're, you're, you, you don't take me seriously. So I was like, oh, this is gearing towards like this relationship or this, the nature of this fight is kind of pointing towards something more substantial than like the heroic slash idiotic thing that June did. Um, yeah. Those two things aren't mutually exclusive. Um, yeah. And then I guess this might be a bigger fight. And I put big fight in caps. And it could be the one that leads to the end of their relationship. I it's. I mean, we'll see. It's possible. But yeah, it certainly seems to be gearing this way. And this... So the, here's, here's the oh, thing wait. that really... Sorry, I had one last thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't mean to interrupt. But it occurs yeah, to but... me that if loyalty could go down, it would have. 
at some point in these t- these couple of chapters. <gasps> That's a good freaking point. He it betrayed all of them. Probably he hurt their all, feelings. Yeah. yeah. With all of them. Sven especially, but definitely, yeah. Wow. So probably loyalty cannot go down then. It seems like it. Huh. Huh. Okay, sorry. Yeah, no, okay. So the thing that I was going to say and why why this keeps... The reason this is like really a thing I'm I'm getting obsessed about is because I saw it in my own life in the past. But like this was brought up in the Discord. I'm sneaking in another uh, listener feedback here in the middle of an episode. Ha uh, Old Wind Ways pointed out something that I had missed because I don't know. I I was like June, I guess. Anyway, uh, in the previous episode, we'd be talking about chapters. Uh, one of them was Emeril's complaining, saying we were specifically fucked by a black swan. And this is something that we even pulled out and talked about, right? Uh, when she said that, the next line was, like Lita said Fen. And June uh, June just replied to Amarilla saying, sometimes there are back... The, the text is, sometimes there are black swans, I said, ignoring whatever nonsense Fen was talking about. And Old Wind Way says, Fen is rapidly becoming more cultured than Juniper. Lita and the Swan is, the, is a story and subject in art from Greek mythology in which the god Zeus, in the form of a swan, either seduces or rapes Lita, depending on which story you're reading. Um, and, like, I, I noticed now that June completely ignored Fen, replied to Amy with sometimes there's back swans, and was thinking to himself, ignoring whatever nonsense Fen was talking about, even though she has, like, cool, valid stuff to add to the conversation, which is actually fucking funny if you are cultured at all. And he's just like, yeah, your dumbass is doing dumbass shit again. And he, first of all, wouldn't have not ignored um, if Amaryllis had said something like that uh, as a comment, he probably would not have ignored her. But of Fen, he was super dismissive and like casually contemptuous. And that is, that is, I think, fucking cyanide for any relationship that just a level of ingrained contempt. And and I was like thinking about this more as I was taking these notes. And like personally, I've been feeling less good about Fen lately uh, throughout the past, I don't know, dozen chapters or so. And I get the feeling that from comments that other people in the Discord have also been feeling that way. And now I'm wondering, like, I did not notice how dismissive and contemptuous June was when I first read this or even through my second read through when I was taking notes, it wasn't until old wind ways pointed it out that like how much of us liking Fenless or me liking Fenless is this sort of insidious contempt that June is feeling and that it's being put in the narrative, which I'm not, I'm not picking up on consciously, but I'm feeling it. Like, I think this is genius, genius level writing on Wales and that he's making us feel what June is feeling uh, towards Fen to the point that like we start to dislike her without even noticing that it's happening. And like June also isn't noticing that it's happening. So the fact that we're not noticing it is amazing. I, I think this is both fantastic and also fuck June. <laughs> um, if, if this, it, so did you feel this way about um, the, uh, did you feel this way about Fen on your first read through? Like at this point where like you felt a little like, you know, less thrilled on her or is it this time? <laughs> It, it's more this time, definitely. But also, the first time I was starting to be like, "Man, she's 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 grouchy a lot," and now she's ragging on my man June. Like, what's going on? And it it took this pointing out to to kind of crystallize that for me. I mean, so I guess I was wondering, you know, because I've I've been kind of on the Fen sucks train for a while, and I didn't, you know, it might have been me poisoning you against her. 
Um, well, it but, could have been that too. You, you could be a terrible person. I could be partially to blame for your disposition on her, but this was a good pullout. And it's interesting because, you know, in, in ours and June's defense, cause you're right. We talked about that line, um, this whole black swan thing and like ignoring whatever nonsense Fen was talking about. Like she often talks about nonsense, right? Like, you know, it's a, uh, you know, don't take the Lord's name in vain. I think they made that joke like right around this time. And, um, you know, they're like, they're, tr- they're trying to have a conversation and Fen is not, she often doesn't contribute. Um, so like, sure. I, and I mean, this was just another joke. It wasn't a, a serious contribution, but, and it's, I guess, easier to dismiss jokes, but the, the whole, whatever nonsense she was talking about was, I think, kind of telling you wouldn't say that about someone who you actually cared about and respected. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you know, if he was distracted and under stress, I can't remember the exact circumstance of that conversation. And maybe there's other times where he's had thoughts like that about her. Um, Cause yeah, that's a bummer. And you're right. That is damn good writing. Cause it's subtle, right? We looked yeah. right at it with, you know, we're going over this, you know, with a fine tooth comb and we, we didn't pull that out like consciously. Um, mm. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he disrespects her. I think that he might be thinking that, you know, if, if, if he's honest with himself that like, she's sometimes, immature and unhelpful and that's one of the things he likes about her but sometimes it's not helpful so like if he does think okay yeah this might be a little nonsense right now like you know if you love somebody it doesn't necessarily mean that like you think everything that they say is deep wisdom or worth listening to like it's it's not that like it's cool to dismiss somebody or something but it's uh i don't know um i don't know i guess i just don't want to feel like june is an asshole because i like june but so i'm trying to think of like find a, a way to make it so that's not an asshole thought for him to have, but it's, uh, okay. it's hard. It's hard. Not, it's hard to find a framing that works. Um, yeah. This, this does wrap up with fence. You know, Amaryllis is like, look, you guys can finish this fight later. And Amaryllis says, fine. She looked at me with a glare. I do love you. And he says, but, and she says, yeah. And I was like, no, but with two T's sad face. <laughs> I know. Cause she's going being more serious now. Yeah. I love you, but you're an asshole and we need to talk. And that's yeah. fair. Yeah. I so I, I have a meta comment here, which I think uh gonna pull it pull it up here here. Um like Fen specifically because you just said no butt with two T's. Before she would have made some kind of butt joke, right? Right. And this is like, yeah. And there's a little earlier where uh when uh, Amarillo says you gotta fix this on your own time, and Fen turns to her like, excuse me, are you serious? Um like she's she's not joking and deflecting anymore she spent the entire story up until this point like deflecting joking and just being fan you know whenever things are uncomfortable or there's shitty situations she she makes them less uncomfortable and less shitty for everyone and i think she's been reaching her straining point over the last few episodes probably in part because of the way june's been treating her and it looks like she finally broke here and this is what Fen is like when she's not joking and just trying to get along and get by. And now she's actually angry and being serious. And I'm, I'm kind of curious how you feel about serious Fen. Um, I'm looking forward to them. Like I, every time they've had like an, they, they, cause they've had a handful of them. They haven't had like a nice romantic getaway for a while. Um, mm-hmm. but when they have had like serious emotional conversations, I've always appreciated them. Mm-hmm. Um, even though like, letter 15 or whatever was full of jokes. It was also like full of serious sentiment. And I enjoyed that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that um, 
I think part of her like, excuse me, are you serious? Was because like in front of June and Fen, Amaryllis turns to Val and says, can you help like fix their problems? Mm-hmm. And like, I think that's part of like, what are you kidding? Like, you know, you're going to ask her yeah. and you know that we're, you know, that we'll know that she's using a devil to manipulate us into feeling better. Like mm-hmm. you're going to, you're going to, and you're going to do that in front of us. I think that's part of why she's like having that particular reaction there. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the, the rest of this too is yeah. More, more serious fan. And um, uh, you know, she says to June, I'm not letting you off the hook on this. And um, it's, uh, it's awesome. I like it. Um, I, <sighs> I mean, it's a bummer because like, I like, I miss fun Fen because that's when things were light and fun. And even though she was, you know, occasionally a little grating, I, I, I don't want her to have to be serious Fen all the time because she's only serious when things are not fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I want her to be, I, I want, I want her to be relaxed and happy enough to be, you know, to be funny. Right. Yeah. There, there's a, there's a happy medium, right? Like she can stick around for serious, important conversations about like, what's the nature of reality. Right. Um, mm that she's that she'll plug her ears and hum if they try and have around her right now and mm-hmm. uh having to be deathly serious and you know pissed um <laughs> i hope that there's there's a medium spot there uh you know it occurs to me i don't think any of uther's companions except for vervain died right uh not that we've heard of not that we've heard of so i mean like yeah. i don't want to say that they're immortal or like whatever as bulletproof as june is but they might be mm-hmm. um I guess I'm just thinking that, like, you know, if if Fen says, "All right, fuck you," and tries to go off and have, have her own adventure or something, she's not going to die, but she'll be like, I don't know, nah, she can't be cut in half again. That wouldn't be fun, uh, <laughs> you know. Blinded, maybe lose an eye. Mm. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I did have one quick thought for you too. Um, yeah. And I, I can't remember exactly the context. They were talking about June's leveling up stuff, and. He was thinking that like it still felt wrong to have one of them monkeying around in my soul. Um, he stopped short of saying that he'd prefer the Amaryllis do it. Uh, oh, because I think he mentions that he you know completed the two quests. And, yeah. Oh, so he was close closer. to leveling up. Yeah. And she's like, well, as long as one Mirfen are around to fix it. And he was like, yeah. And he didn't want to say I'd prefer Amaryllis do it. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask like, would you let Fun? Would you let Fen monkey around with your soul, especially today? Um, I would worry that she would make a couple of tweaks that she thought were harmless. Like not that I, she'd go in there and full soul, you know, soul fuck him, but like mm-hmm. just, you know, find his asshole meter and turn it down a couple or something. Right. No, I think that's bullshit. I would, I would absolutely trust her. So, okay. I would absolutely trust her to not intentionally fuck anything over. I think she would do her very best just to bring down the leveling. And I would not be at all worried that if, that if I let her have access to my soul, she would tweak things for her benefit because I don't think that's who Fen is. And if she was that person, I wouldn't have fallen in love with her. Yeah. Uh, and if she were to do that, I'd want to find that out so I could break up with her. Yeah. And I guess I wasn't thinking just to her benefit, but also like to what she would perceive as June's benefit. Right. Um, no, I don't think she would. I, yeah. I think Fen is a, a more um, honorable person than that. Uh, I think you're right. Uh, you know, it wasn't until would- you pointed out, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just, but I would prefer that Amaryllis do it just because I think she'd technically be more competent and less likely to make an error. I think she's a better soul mage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think it wasn't until you pointed out that like her running in to save June, I mean, it was obviously love driven and like it was, that wasn't lost on me, but I didn't shine a light on it. I, sh- I was staring at like the be a hero part of it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, you know, you don't, 
you don't fuck with people's souls that you love, right? And she actually does yeah. care about him. So I think you're right. Yeah. My 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 concerns about Fen monkeying around in his soul are are less. Uh, um, they're they're definitely whatever fixed. I, I agree with yeah. you. <laughs> and I um, mean, who knows? I could be wrong. Could well, that certainly be really interesting. Um, but I, I at this point, if it does work out to where Fen, you know, has to fix his soul and she does change something without permission, I'll be very surprised. Yeah. 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 Same here. Um. All right. So, All right. oh yeah, the they're we mentioned that they're flying away in this like silver bean, and mm-hmm. they set up like little privacy wards so they can have their secret conversation, and like they arrive like immediately. Like, oh it's, yeah, it's like, not teleporting, but like they, it, it. I feel like it was like five minutes, and they're they're across somewhere on this eighty thousand mile planet, and, and they didn't feel any acceleration or anything. Right. Just door and, closes, door opens, and they're like, "Oh, we're here." It's like, "Oh, well, we're not done yet." It's like, "All right, well." Come out when you're done. Come out when you're done. I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's when they. The, the, that's basically the whole context of this conversation is they've mm-hmm. already arrived at their destination. Yeah. And as I threw out before, but like they can't just teleport away because of course there's anti teleportation wards. God damn it! Which like teleportation pads are so rare that it almost doesn't seem worth the effort. But having somebody be able to teleport in and, and mess with your stuff is enough of a concern. And if they're not that expensive to put up these wards or whatever, then you know it's worth the effort. But yeah. And it's, I mean, if you've got the possible next Uther in your in your ship, you're definitely going to go to a place that you know has teleportation wards. Oh, that's a good point. I assumed that this was just their, their typical stronghold, but you would also do that around your typical stronghold anyway, right? Right. Like, you can't teleport inside Kumduna. Yeah. I think there's a... I think, right? Uh, uh, I think I, there might have been a special room for it or something. Yeah. But now, yeah. now that you can reorient, I'm not sure where, how that room would work. But, like, that was the case of, like, Amaryllis' cabin in the woods. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. So, yeah, the uh, Val says that basically they're, they intend to talk, find out whether or not Juniper is the chosen one. If he is, they don't know exactly what they're going to do, but uh, some of them might attempt to kill him. And, yeah, I, I'd already mentioned that I was really impressed when last episode you were thinking that if, if Dream Skewered had Uther powers, they would kill him immediately. And Masters, you know, I don't think would have done that because I get the same feeling you do about him. But it looks like there's a really powerful action faction that maybe will do just that so we'll, we'll see yeah they're definitely at least going to try talking to them first um mm-hmm. i do like the uh um oh i was looking at the end of the chapter you've got one more quote that you pulled out before that i do uh june says uh he's wondering like even if they did kill him and remove him from Erb, uh given what i understand of the dungeon master i'm not sure he would save the world from whatever things he'd put into motion Amril says, you think that the Dungeon Master would let the world fall because that's what you would do. And June says, yeah, kindred spirits. Uh, I wouldn't do it to real people, obviously, but for worlds that I'd built, I did. So apparently he's actually done that in campaigns with his friends. It happened three or four times. And I mean, I don't know entirely how to feel because like he did it to his worlds. I guess people don't matter when they're not real, right? But but they are they real? I guess that's that's when the thing comes down to the DM doesn't think they're real. It seems like, or I think the DM is an asshole. Um, yeah, the, the DM is is um, unless the DM knows that they're not real, like in a way p- perhaps similar to that. You know, Uther figured it out or something, um, mm-hmm. or like because you know he knows it's a game, right? Uh, or maybe he's like, I created these people, so whatever, they don't really exist, right? If if it's that, then he's an asshole. You know, like 
if like the Christian, if like the creator of our universe, if one existed, was like, fuck these guys, I'm going to torture them because I made them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the you do agree that like if the DM allows Arab to be destroyed, he's a he's a total dick. Assuming that these people are actually sentient, then yeah. I mean, um, it's just from everything that we know right now, it looks like they're sentient. So if things are as they are presented. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if if uh, if if you can stop the bad things from happening and you don't, then that's on you and you're a jerk. Um, yeah. You know, it's the code of Spider-Man. Um, the yeah, it, it, June says that the DM said we were kindred spirits. So, mm-hmm. like, I have every expectation that why wouldn't he, you know, let this place crash and burn if, if I was killed? Because um, mm-hmm. it's not a bad guess, you know, from the anti-Uther's successor uh, side of the fence that, like, look, last time Uther came, shit got real real. Let's uh, let's not let that happen again. If another Uther shows up, let's just kill him, you know? Yeah. That'll keep all the monsters away. Um, I, I get where they're coming from, and yet... The other compelling counter argument is like, well, what if the monsters are going to come anyway? Yeah. And Uther just showed up just in time. And that was like why he was here. Um, and that's probably the argument they're going to have between each other. Yeah. It raises the question if this is the same guy who DM'd Arthur's time on Arab too. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, I have no reason to think that it is or isn't. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's just maybe that's how things would have gone at 500 years ago or not, but it, mm-hmm. it's just something that's been on the back of my mind. I don't know if it's the same person who's running things as it was before. Yeah. But, or maybe like 500 years ago, he felt differently about things. That could be. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things have been excluded since then. A lot of new rule changes, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe the DMs just kind of become more calloused over time too. Yeah. Although I don't think it's been 500 years in DM hours, right? Probably not. No, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't think it's been months like, you know, since June got here. I don't know oh, what maybe, time is knows? like when you're outside the Matrix, but. Right. I mean, yeah. who knows? Maybe like that he was playing Arab with the Uther character for or, you know, d- doing the Uther storyline when he was in his late teens. And now he's coming back to the game 10 years later or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this this one ends up really, really uh, in a nice poignant way. And I like how Fen puts it. Um, so they're like, okay, well, I guess let's go try and talk to him. They'll know that Uther was dream skewered. They'll assume that you are too. Um, we can let those secrets go. Uh, it's possible that outright telling them, they telling them that you are the chosen one is the way to go. And Ben says, unless that gets them all ready to commit a murder, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. which I like, you know, rather than saying, unless that gets them all ready to kill you, I just like commit a murder. Um, yeah. I, it's, it's a funny way of phrasing it. And yeah. Ominously, it ends with June looking at Heshnel, which is one of the whatever, uh, whatever Princess Bubblegum's friends, and says, mm-hmm. "Let's hope it doesn't come to that." Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will find out in the next reading, which is the next four chapters, as usual, chapters one hundred thirteen through one hundred sixteen. They are one hundred thirteen, a hell of a time. One hundred fourteen, the meeting of minds. 115, Communicative, and 116, Therapy. Well, that sounds valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope that 16 is like, all right, Val, we're going to have couples counseling with you. Put on your best devil. Like, let's do this. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe maybe an actual objective therapist. But hell of a time if I didn't like, you know, if I was just reading the chapter names from 
whatever. Since I don't think they could be in hell by chapter or by by the next chapter, mm-hmm. um, that that would have been my guess. But now nah, it can't be because I don't think they'll be in hell next chapter. But that'd have been fun. That'd have been a good name for the chapter that they go to hell. Yeah. All right. Well, sounds like fun, bud. I'm looking forward to it. Cool. All right. Well, uh, thank you everybody for listening. You can support us on Patreon. Um, links over at hpmorpodcast.com. That's the website where this this lives. Uh, thank you. Do support Alexander Wales on his Patreon as well. Or, you know, we kick back 15% to him from ours because this is his game. We're just playing it. Exactly. Bye, right. everybody. Yep. See ya.